0: Welcome back. This is Ladies with Gumption episode number 140. War and peace. I am Jessica and I am here. <laughs> with... May
1: and Tatiana.
0: All right, ladies with gumption. We recap DCTV in a flash. Um you can find us, follow us along with our live tweeting on Twitter at DCTV Gumption. You can send us emails of your feedback, ladieswgumption at gmail.com, or you can send us asks on Tumblr, com. Um you may be listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or Podomatic site, or you are a special person that is a Patreon, and we want to thank you for helping support our podcast and keeping it afloat. And for that, we reward you with extra stuff. Um, you get episodes for, of the DC TV season 24 hours in advance, and you also get um, things outside of DC TV and other pop culture. Shows including Mandalorian, Boys, Upload, Witcher, WandaVision recently did, Justice League, um, and Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, coming up, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, episode 5 came out this week. So, you know, it's probably going to be around the last week of April. Like the week after the finale. So if you want to get in feedback for that show, then you can send it to us before 3pm on April the 30th. And we can include it in that episode if you would like to learn more about becoming a Patreon, or do they show the list of episodes we on
2: have a small list, it probably needs to be updated. So I will do okay. that. But it shows yep. some, some of the stuff like the earliest stuff probably that we did.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, you can, if you want to find out more about our Patreon and some of the other episodes that we have covered and see if you want to um, get some access to that, then you can find us at patreon.com slash in the news, uh, Lucy Liu joins the cast of Shazam, Fury of the Gods. This is now becoming like the best DC movie yes. so cast exciting. ever. Um, she is playing as a villain. She's playing Calypso, who is a sister to Helen Mirren's villain, Hespera. Um, so that's exciting. Um, thoughts on Lucy Liu joining the cast? Other than, oh my god. <laughs> I love it, yeah.
1: and That is that is all. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's going to be fun. I think <laughs>
0: it's going to be fun. For sure. Um, also in the DC you uh verse we have mo Amer, who was cast at in black adam in an undisclosed role and i also i don't know if we mentioned um did we mention patrick zamboni's son being in black adam as well i don't think so because i think that news came
2: out monday right this week
0: maybe like, yeah yes,
2: the plus yes. i believe it was this week
1: but we congratulations to him do we yeah. know
2: what his role is in the movie I think I people are guessing it's
1: think... Osiris. They don't know that. Yeah, but they don't okay. know. Yeah,
2: everything's undisclosed for this movie. We literally know nothing except for like a <laughs> couple of things. But, you know, Arab representation. Go, go, yeah, guys. What do you think about? Because
0: we were we worried in the beginning that there was not going to be any. Yeah, I
2: mean, the fact that there's more now at least tells me that, you know, they're not going to – they don't have just like the one villain. They're like, okay, that's it. That's all you guys are getting. <laughs> so that's good news. So I'm happy about that.
0: Good, good, good. Oh, and then no, we have tons of movie news. Um, Polo Asbeck, which I hope I said his last name correctly. He is from Game of Thrones. I don't know who he played in Game of Thrones. He does not he look... He
2: played... What's his face? Uh, Cersei's, like, final lover. The irritating guy. Great job. Oh, Grey Grey. oh Grey. yeah.
1: Ship's man.
0: That, yes. that would be why I don't
1: pirate, uh, remember uh, pirate or care. removed <laughs> him from your <laughs> mind. <And> yes. Just...
0: <laughs> control, alt, delete. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> he is... um. Staying on the seawaters, he's joining Jason Momoa in the Aquaman sequel. Did it say... I don't know if it said what he who he was playing, but I just know he's in there.
2: Everything's a secret. I don't know. Yeah,
0: so... <laughs> but he
2: will exist in the film.
0: <laughs> and then on the DC TV news size, exciting, exciting. It's not an official announcement, but paparazzi, um, they deserve rights sometimes. <laughs> and so one of the paparazzi up in Vancouver... Um, spotted that Jessica Parker Kennedy, John Wesley Ship, and Jordan Fisher are all quarantining for the Flash episode coming up. So that means, you know, JPK is back for the Flash. It means that we're going to get Tornado Twins, um, you know, especially since her and Jordan are are quarantining at the same time. So that's exciting. And I don't know what episode they're filming now, but I assume that it's coming up. It's going to be episode 17 because that's supposed to be Jordan's first episode anyway um as Bart so now I have to refine I feel like I have to refine my prediction a little more because I was not certain that this would be Tornado Twins I just thought like Bart would be like replacing Nora but now that JPK is there seems like we are going to get them at the same time so that's exciting
2: I will will, you know throw myself out there and be like I theorized about this a few weeks ago I'm really excited (laughs) this is happening (laughs) so yay me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we always joke because we're like, yeah, JPK could totally play a teenager. And I guess now she's she is going to be playing a teenager. So uh, hopefully, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Flash
0: family affairs, Fun times. Um, and then finally, um, Black Lightning has wrapped its filming. And we got some um, some of the casts were talking about, like the final day on social media. Um, Nafisa and Christine Adams posted shots of the cast um although i don't know if you want to talk about this or not
2: we can mention it because then we got another ask about it on tumblr yeah okay.
0: um none of them tagged um cress williams in the photos and and it previously you know we had oh, that ask about, yeah you know what's going on um
3: Oh. Why didn't China and
0: Cress have any interaction and we're like, you know, we don't know. We don't want to speculate or anything.
3: Yeah.
0: Um now
3: so we're we're still still don't know
0: anything. <laughs> still don't know anything. But it is kind of weird that, you know, he's not like tagged anywhere or mentioned anywhere, especially since it's the last season. That's so. definitely weird.
2: Yeah, That's I think Rondon also posted. And he didn't tag he him.
0: posted yeah. He didn't he didn't have any pictures of Cress. He posted um, because I was just looking at it, but and that's of, who
1: he'd be interacting the most with
2: of um, right.
0: the main cast, right?
1: And Chris didn't
2: like post anything about it on Instagram either. Um, no, but he I has feel he's he been quiet been on about the like, whole
0: season. I don't think he's been. On, has he even been on Instagram for like a I feel while? Like he hasn't been on Instagram since last summer,
2: maybe. Right. Weird. So. Weird behavior.
0: All that we know that it is weird. Yeah, all that we
2: that, that's all it. we can say for
0: sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. Some small feedback, not related to any of the shows in particular, kind of general feedback. We got some feedback from Sonia on the topic of ginger erasure. He's like, "Hey, I know this is being sent in much too late for um, inclusion because she sent it like last week." Um, for that podcast, but someone that I follow on Twitter for non-TV related show things decided to rant on Twitter about the casting of Chloe Bennett as Blossom and Powerpuff Girls. Now that some set photos have been released, which those set photos. Mm. (laughs) And it made me think of your, (laughs) yeah, it made me think of your ginger erasure, uh, Patreon podcast because she was all, Oh my God, why couldn't they find a real redhead to play Blossom? (laughs) When it's Chloe, uh, Chloe like literally dyed her hair red for this role. Just say you're racist and get the fuck out. So that was Sonya. Uh, which, when I read that, I was like, oh yeah, because in the set pics, like she's like Chloe still has her her regular like brunette hair. So it never even occurred to me her not being like red, having red hair until like that point. But
2: redheads are crying somewhere in the corner.
0: I feel like that person should be crying more about like the outfits. <laughs> <laughs> And then we have Joe. Joe has been listening to Patreon. uh, I think it was Patreon that we did this on. We when we reviewed Krypton season one, so she's been watching Krypton. um, Did that regularly? Was it okay? Mm, Sadly. (laughs) <laughs> She's said I'm finally watching Krypton now and that it is streaming online for free. So I'm going back and listening to the previous podcast with your comments. I'm almost done with season one and I'm liking it so far. And I'm invested in the characters and the main story. It's true that the Zod's are the best characters. It's weird that Seg was the least interesting character. Speaking of Seg L, it's dumb that Reggie John Page was passed over for the role because he's black. I feel like that if Seg had been black, then the Zod's and maybe even Dev M would not have been casted with black actors. Because Hollywood is dumb in races like that and can't have too many black people. So maybe it worked out because everyone else had more to do than SEG, at least in season one. Anyway, thanks for being Krypton. Even though you didn't do season two, I think I will try and watch it. More power to you, girl. Uh, although I know that there were shenanigans with Light of X and SEG. Um, thoughts on season two? I have none.
2: Let us know if you get past season or episode two of season two. Cause I think right, cause I, I, thought, did I did not finish that season.
0: <laughs> I feel, I feel like maybe that's when I cut out. Cause I, we saw, um, what's his face? The first three episodes or something. Um, bounty hunter guy.
1: Mm-hmm. I didn't even get to Lobo. I didn't even get to him. I feel, I feel like I, saw, like the first episode, and that was it.
0: I don't, I don't, even remember which episode he came in. Cause I feel like I may I have think watched he it at the,
2: the end of the second or like midway through the second episode. Okay. I, well I then think I, I definitely watched did not make the it the most. Yeah. I definitely
0: did not make it there. <laughs> I feel like I lasted longer than you guys, though. But I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, you know, she's like, "Should I watch it?" I'm like, "You know, do you?" <laughs> Maybe I don't know.
2: <laughs> if you do, send us all your thoughts. <laughs> right, right. You can do what
0: we could not. <laughs> okay, so getting into the body of the episode this week, we have a full slate. We have Batwoman and. Black Lightning on side A, open house slash synchronicity. And then we have Supergirl and Flash on side B, Force of Nature slash Queen's Gambit. Um, And Tati will be taking us through this. We'll be going through our joys, no joys, feedback, and crowning a lady with gumption of the week. Take it away, Tati. I'll try. Let's see
1: here. Starting with side A, open house synchronicity,
0: Batwoman.
1: In this episode... Jacob is forcibly given snakebite and makes me cry by dreaming about rescuing Beth. Because of this, he consults with a subtly named Dr. (laughs) Rhyme. Then, Cyanis, black masked man, uh, even more subtly leaves Jacob just a whole bunch more snakebite to inject himself with. Because why not? Meanwhile, Alice invites Julia to help her find Enigma, leading Julia to realize she wasn't blackout drunk over the summer. She was mind-warped by Enigma, who is, of course, Dr. Rhyme, it's in her name. Um, Enigma brainwashes her once more, and then Julia announces she's just gonna go to Berlin, putting an end to the ship that nobody wanted with Sophie in the first place. <laughs> 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 Elsewhere, Jordan opens a youth center with Ryan and Mary's help, but new villain Killabolt destroys it with a so-called lightning bolt. Lightning gun i don't know what a gold is um that woman tells a reporter named horton spence who was previously very snotty about youth centers about a conspiracy to attack them he's nearly killed in the process of meeting with her but luke manages to trace the culprit back to incarcerated criminal michael castrinos who ryan recognizes and then they determine that ceo ellis o'brien is the mastermind so just some rich white guy was um, prison, yeah yeah and that man that woman confronts him His men have these zappers and, you know, try to offer, but Luke saves her. O'Brien is imprisoned. Youth Center is saved. Ryan convinces Angelique to name names. Sophie releases her, but the false face peeps intercept the witness protection transport. They kill the Crow's agents, and then they abduct Angelique. While Ryan is on the phone with her. Sad trombone. (laughs) What brought joy (laughs) from this episode?
0: Um... Well, I guess, like, I just love the way that Batwoman is incorporating community service into vigilanteism and touching on the whole systemic villains and how they've, like, perpetuate the cycle of violence. And for, in this instance, is like, the, the private prison system. Um, it just really, you know, because it's, it's, like, a fresh take on um, heroing because, like, a lot of times, you know, they're taking on these, like, otherworldly super villains and, Um, you know, whether they be aliens or you know, Marvel verse, DC universe, whatever they may be, but and you get all these like big fights around the city, but you don't really see what happens to like the people that live in that city or how they are their lives are affected by the whole system. So, it's a nice way to kind of connect the core of what it means to be a hero back to the community and the people that they're supposed to be serving. Um, and I also think it sets Ryan's season distinctly apart from Kate's, which was primarily focused on the Kane family and their past family trauma. And that's not to say that Kate wouldn't have eventually gone that route to the community service because she started her real estate program, you know, for it to like create affordable housing and, and things like that. So it's not to say that she wouldn't have gone there. It just, they never got a chance to go there. But And that's kind of like, and I feel like, you know, with, with the whole Alice thing, I don't know how... If they ever would have gone there or not, but it's just nice to see for Ryan's season, she's not, you know, filling in Kate's role in you know the thing with Alice. She has her own thing, and it's it's kind of like setting up her own legacy. So I like to see that. Um Imani and Ryan, I felt it. <laughs> Whatever it was there <laughs> at the community center, Imani wanted to learn martial arts from Ryan and and wanted her to be involved. I feel it. I ship it. Um, He's like, yes, you can throw me to the ground. That is fine. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm glad that Spence wasn't actually an asshole, but he was, like, genuinely concerned about the safety of the community center, even though, like, his delivery was just totally off. Um, I'm glad that 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 kind of, like, turned around to him actually being on their side. Um, Ryan and Angelique almost make me feel something again. (laughs) (laughs) It was <laughs> last week. I was not really feeling Angelique's like turn to right. the good side, but um, there, I think their um phone conversations were kind of you know cute and kind of reminded you of like their chemistry. And I did believe her this time <laughs> when she like gave up the names and was trying to like be carried off to the safe side. So it's kind of like sad that she got kidnapped, but um, it was so sad. Yeah, I, but was I, like, that- I
1: love gunshots.
0: Yeah, like if it was this was like last episode, I probably wouldn't have felt it. But like I felt it this time. So I thought that was good. Um, Jacob actually having an emotional and sad storyline. Him him feeling emotions was surprising to me that I I would like a Jacob storyline. I think it's super messed up that he got forced into his drug addiction. Um, But it was also nice to see him actually open up and be honest about his feelings to Dr. Rhyme in their therapy session about um you know how he feels about disappointing Beth and not being able to save her. She did give some real even though she's like a bad guy, she's like, but I'm still a therapist. <laughs> and she gave some <laughs> really good advice about focusing on the daughter that you have left. So um I like that. Even though she's the reason that Jacob is like Jonas for Snake Bite in the first place, I like that she gave him some practical advice and then it wasn't like advice that would lead him back to Snake Bite. Like it was you know real advice that he could have and should have followed. Or try—he did try to follow it, but yeah, Um, I think he made a decent connect effort to try and connect to Mary and make it so that he could still support her without supporting an illegal enterprise. But I also like Mary's response as to why she didn't want to go legit because, um, you know, I feel like it just complements what Ryan's trying to do in Ryan's um, Legacy—an a plot story of how, you know, poor communities are often ignored or mistreated by legal institutions. and doing, like, the vigilante thing is in service of the community, and it's not in service to Mary because she wants to do it. She's doing it to help people that would not be able to get this help through legal means. So I really like that. Um, I feel like Ryan and Luke are really starting to jail now, which is great. I like to see their bond and their back and forth. I like that he's excited about, like, Batwoman's, like, social media rankings going up with her interview, TV interview de- debut, and being, like, I don't know how many million views on YouTube or whatever. And then, um, like, the moment where they were, uh, it was, like, tense, but it was also, like, funny um, when he was trying to, like, figure out how to work the killable ground without, like, shooting a hole through the back Batcave. I thought that was that was really funny. Um, but, yeah, like, a lot of the community overtook Even though if it was, like, it was very much hammer on the nail of, you know, the prison, you, the CEO villain in... Him being like evil, <laughs> I felt that it was like um, pretty nice how the community was kind of brought to the forefront, being the 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 victim that needed to be saved in the episode.
2: Yes, I hundred percent agree with that. I think you know
0: as much as we love superheroes, a lot
2: of the time they are sort of operating as the third arm of the law, even though they're working outside of it. They are still like helping lock people up or doing their own thing and doing yeah. other illegal stuff that we, you know, we know about and probably don't know about. <laughs> so it was really, really nice to see that this episode focused on like how, like what is, what are the vigilantes doing for the actual community itself? And like, once they've, you know, put the bad guys away or whatever, how are they actually getting involved with making their cities a better place? An actual better place. Mm-hmm. So I really like that it got involved with the whole, you know, prison system, and because it's, it's not really mentioned often, and that how you know people do get locked away, but it's like the prison system is private prisons are still terrible, and it's not like you know people go there to get rehabilitated in any type of way. It's just to continue making people really rich. So it was really nice that they brought that to the attention and they also tied in the journalism aspect of like yeah people go after these big stories but what ends up happening is that these ceos also own the media companies so it's like you right. are gonna get fired for trying to go after me um so it all connects and i like that how seamlessly they did it in this episode that by tying in like the community center with the prisons with the you know media aspect of it all and i think it came together really really well so think in terms of that was one of its strongest episodes. And I like that Batwoman continues to do those things. Like Ryan does really feel like a hero for the people. um, And that is just an amazing thing to watch. Um, Also agree about Jake. I was really, really sad. I was like, what is this a nightmare? Like, what is this a dream? (laughs) Because he's just been whatever the, writers needed him to be for the plot he's just been so stubborn you know and to actually see that he has regrets he has feelings he wants to be closer to mary he makes an attempt that that is what we want from jacob you know as a father as someone who's at least trying um instead of just the no we're gonna do this and do that and my way is my way or the highway type mentality so it was really good to see that he actually has a heart deep down (laughs) um so great Great on you, writers, for actually making us care about Jacob. And it, this actually feels like an interesting storyline because for all his stubbornness, it feels like, oh, well, if he, you know, injects himself with snake bite, however it was given to him, it's maybe going to make him see certain things in a different way because he is also fallen prey
0: to this drug itself. So Unless he's like seeing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that that like is proving to be an interesting storyline. The fact that he actually has one is amazing. Um I also really love just the fact that Mary and Ryan are doing this community center thing together. Strong BFF vibes there. Um I love that they're working together on that that Mary is not just like, you know, they mentioned her having millions of dollars earlier and she's not just sitting on it. She's actually funding her clinic and she's helping Mary or uh, helping Ryan open the community center and I like the fact that she defended herself to her dad because he was – she was so worried about disappointing him earlier and all that stuff that she finally you know, stood her ground and told him what was what. Because it is important to – like you said, Jacob wants to go about this the legal way or whatever, but health insurance is a scam. So for people who don't have it and need to get help, like where are they supposed to turn? Um, so I'm glad that like Mary is like I'm going to do this because it's it's for the good of the people and the fact that she's helping – you know, she's helping them and we've seen how even without her, like, a legal medical license, she's very well equipped to, like, handle all the stuff that comes her way. Because, like, last season they mentioned how much smarter she is in, like, the paramedics. So it was nice to have that come back and be like, yes, she is an amazing person. So really proud of her for doing that. And just feeling like the relationships are starting to blend a little bit more. Luke getting a teeny bit more. Um, oh, here wow. in terms, <laughs> yeah, in terms of at least like Ryan, he just still doesn't have his own story, which is a diff- yeah. whole different story. Um, but the fact that he and Ryan are, are really cool with each other is really fun. And it's just nice to see like those little humorous moments in between all the the rest of the drama. Um, what else? I I like Doctor Enigma or Doctor Rhyme. Um, just as a, a villain, you know, she, I think she's actually more interesting than uh, what's his face, Blackface, Blackface, my god. <laughs> That was awful. <laughs> Black mask. Jesus. <laughs> she's much better than him, um, and I think that she's she has like so many interesting parts to her already. The fact that she's like helping Jacob, but also doing awful things and making Julia forget her entire memory, and then holding Kate, ho- helping hold Kate hostage, and all that. So there's, you know, she's an onion. She's got layers. I like that. <laughs> um, yeah, it I think make that you cry. so all that stuff was amazing and i feel like it's building up towards something really really interesting so good energy
1: yeah i thought this was a really good episode i liked how the storylines um came together i really liked that we focused on the uh community center and not just the fact that like jessica said incorporating community service into um superheroing or vigilanteism, but also that they got to speak about um, you know, underserved communities and how they are continuing to be like, like the fact that they don't get the resources they deserve is what then leads to other negative aspects, rather than there being something inherently wrong with the people in those communities. Um, so that was great. Jordan continuing to be awesome. Love her. She kicks ass. Um, I hope that we get to see more of her with Sophie and with Mary and Ryan. All you know, a fun a fun girl gang would be nice. Quartet, exactly a quartet. Um, I also liked that Mr. Reporter Man was genuinely, you know, genuinely cared and was getting involved. I liked that he didn't die. There were many times I was like, "Well, there he goes. That's the end of him." <laughs> but, but yay, Batman saved him. Um, also, Luke, you know, Luke stepped up this episode. I like. I like you said. I also like his dynamic with um, Ryan. Now it does feel. She feels very much more integrated into the story, into the group. It feels like she's, you know, no longer no longer like an outsider or someone looking in. She is part of the clan now, and I love that. Um, I also liked Julia's investigation. Um, I thought that she, you know, was pretty smart in figuring out Enigma. And then it went, you know, elsewhere, and we'll talk about that later. But, you know, you go, Julia. And also her team up with Alice was fun. For the seconds that it lasted. Um And them both having very different agendas. But also like. So far. Like the road to get there is the same. For, for a period of time. So that was cool. Jacob did make me cry. I was like. I guess my period is coming. I don't know why I'm crying right now. I was like. What's on my face? <laughs> um. Tears. So I did. I was like Alice. So I was like. I'm going to pretend I don't. I don't hear this. because <laughs> You will delete like, it. Exactly. I would rather forget him. Than forgive him. Um and i thought it was interesting that enigma actually gave him good advice like if he was good at following enigma's advice then maybe he'd be in a good relationship with mary right now so i was like that's weird i don't know what's going on with that um i don't know where she maybe she just knew it was gonna backfire i don't know we'll see we'll see um but yeah so so this episode made me like you know feel like Jacob was a human for once so that's good I also, you know, not that, not that I needed as much convincing as you guys did, but I did like Angelique and Ryan this episode and I was scared they were going to kill her off, too. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of that, right at the I love you.
3: But no, <laughs>
1: thankfully she lives to be kidnapped for a day, and so um, I guess it's good that Ryan has the power to hopefully save her. Um, <laughs> anything else? Oh yeah, well, just the fact that Kill- Killa Volt was some rich white dude trying to keep, you know, minorities in their place, I guess, uh, and then he got to go to jail, which is literally the dream, right? I wish that would happen every time uh, rich white dudes try to. He was
0: like the criminal, but then like his yeah. boss was like the CEO, so it's exactly. still yeah. But the what CEO would he be like to...
1: the CEO went to jail, though. The, would he be the like the criminal uh... was already in jail? Huh?
0: What's what's above Killa like? Megavolt?
1: <laughs> Megavolt, there you go. That's true. That's right, yeah. The person behind Killavolt, yes, was the CEO. Megavolt okay. also went to jail. <laughs> you know, doesn't happen every day, so that's good. Um, so, yeah, overall, great episode. I like the pacing. I think the season has been very, like, you know, leagues above the first season so far. So, good job, guys. Round of
0: applause. What did not bring Joy?
3: Um...
0: I I guess I didn't like Julia's storyline as much as you did. Um, I mean, the back and forth between Julia and Alice was was fun just because I think the two actresses have that chemistry. Um, But I also I still feel like, Alice, what are you doing, girl? Um, And then like the whole conversation between Julia and Sophie, I thought it was kind of weird and disjointed. And I feel like I get the intention of where they are going between Sophie and Julia's conversation in the beginning. And their final conversation. Um, but I feel like it was a little bit clunky in the connection. Um, and then I also don't like that Sophie doesn't seem to have, like, a storyline at all. Like, Jacob got a storyline. Jacob has, like, a, a solid, meaty kind of storyline. But Sophie doesn't really seem to have a solid storyline. She kind of, like, flits in between other stories and kind of, like, connects dots here and there. But it doesn't really give her a central line of her own. Um like, why couldn't she be at Jordan's open house? I feel like, you know, it's her sister. She could have been there easily. And it wouldn't have, like, taken away anything. Um, going back to, like, Julia and Sophie, I, I like that the ending had Sophie actually notice how Julia was being weird. But I felt like the setup in the beginning when Julia was like, I don't remember legs of my European trip. And Sophie's response is, well, were you drunk? And it's like, well, I I feel like there could have been, like, a follow-up question or, like, a follow-up concern of, like, you because I feel like alcohol by itself, because, like, Julia's going on, like, a work trip. She was going to, like, investigate, and I feel like alcohol by itself would not make you miss several days or weeks of said work trip. And I think it would have, like, flowed a little better if Sophie had just, like, followed up and been like, maybe you're working too hard, you know, you need to take a break, whatever, whatever. Um, and then like the end Julia appears to have no worries and is like off to Berlin. And then that would have been like a noticeable change that Sophie could pick up on. She still picked up on it, which is good. And I would say that focusing on Sophie noticing Julia is acting weird is great because it will lead to her to investigate that. But I feel like realistically, it's just a way to get Julia off screen for a couple episodes. Um, and not necessarily have Sophie follow up on it, which I feel like that's, where, you know, where she could actually get a storyline and I don't really feel like they're giving it to her. Um, And then you have, like, Alice, the other person that's been, like, brainwashed by Enigma. And I was so frustrated. Like, she gets to Rhyme's office. You have this whole beautiful scene with Dr. Rhyme and, and Jacob about his feelings and opening up and being very emotional to a third party. So it's not like he's playing for the cameras or whatever because he doesn't he has no expectation that Alice would hear this and like feel sympathy or whatever so this is a very raw very like objective view or hearing of Jacob's actual feelings and hearing her father's pain from a third-party objective source and then being like pretend I do not hear it <laughs> I feel like he's really stupid like do you want to grow Alice or do you not want to grow like we have this whole thing about her (laughs) meeting her having this delusional break and seeing her her dead 13 year old sister and being like you have to let me go and she has a chance to actually grow like she her intentions were to like erase so she could start fresh and here's an opportunity to start fresh and not have to numb yourself and she's like no that's okay oh and you know what else this is very like nitpicky but it and it's It's in character for Alice because I don't think she would care, but it bothered me so much (laughs) every time they had a close up of her old, painted, chipped nails, and the close up (laughs) of her, (laughs) it was just so like oh cringy, Uh, I hate it. (laughs) Like
2: either go all the way or take it off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, and I feel like it goes with Alice's aesthetic of her being like you know crazy and not caring, but it was just like oh why would you put that on? Like zoom in on that, stop it. <laughs> um and then, you know, like Angelique, of course, getting like kidnapped. Like she won't die because obviously they need her to make the snake bike. But I feel like it's definitely gonna make it harder now for Ryan to convince her to take a chance and live in the light again because she's like, I've tried twice <laughs> and it's gotten progressively worse.
3: So <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a fair point.
2: <laughs> oh, poor Angelique. I actually felt really bad for her this episode, but um that's not a dislike, but <laughs> <laughs> what I did not love as much is the Julia stuff. Primarily, I, I like Julia. I like the fact that she's like, ooh, what's happening to me, and who is this Enigma person? But I feel like that storyline could have easily been given to Sophie, too, because, you know, she could have been investigating what happened to Kate along definitely. with definitely. Yeah, so that yes. makes no sense that she was completely sidelined from that storyline. That was another
0: reason why I didn't like that Julia and Alice were having this side combo yeah. like by themselves because Sophie like, could definitely have been involved in that.
2: And and Julia, you know, the actress is like a recurring character, so she's getting more screen time than the actual person who's supposed to be there all the time. So that makes no sense. And then their conversation, like you said, was a little bit disjointed. Like of all the things that I know, it was probably meant to be funny, but it's like. I, I don't know. Somebody forgets weeks at a time, and that is, is a strange conclusion to come to.
0: Right, right. <laughs> and just like stop there and not like explore or like, you know. Yeah. I mean, I
2: I do hope that maybe Sophie figuring something is wrong at the end will put her in the middle of the storyline and be like, hey, I need to investigate this myself because Julie's acting really strange. But how they got there is not ideal scenario whatsoever. And it's just, like you said, Sophie, she could have been at the community center. Sophie could have been a million places. Right. And I just feel like the writers lack imagination when it comes to putting her in anything. It's like they only and see now her. now all of a
0: sudden, Sophie's not even with Jacob. So yeah. Like and it's know. like
2: they only see her with the crows. And that's so frustrating because we keep talking about the storyline about her maybe wanting to, you know – I don't know, reform the crows, defund the crows, I don't know, something, <laughs> changing them on the inside. And yet we, we also don't see any of that. So like while I think it would have been a nice compliment to the whole community service portion of it, the jail portion of it, to actually have something be happening with the crows on the inside, like some change to, you know, to go forward because Sophie is just getting nothing and this would be like a great situation for her to handle on her own since Jacob is now, you know, off in snake land. So it's it, it's just really frustrating. And then
0: I will say it was good to see her take charge and going into like the, the gun sooner to find the other two even yeah. though it kind of wound up at a bust, but that was just like, you know, one scene in one storyline. Exactly.
2: Um Elsewhere, like uh, Alice is just kind of frustrating me in general as a villain because she's not a villain villain anymore. You know, she's not out there killing a bunch of people and doing making big plans to, I don't know, overtake the city or something. Typical villain stuff. But the fact that she is sort of at a crossroads and the way that she's getting involved with Enigma is because she wants to forget her dad. It just feels like they don't know what to do with Alice. And I don't like the fact that she's just kind of running around now. And there's been no consequences whatsoever for any of her actions. And now she's involved with this great sounding subplot. You know, with with Kate and Enigma and Black Mask and whatever's happening. And it just doesn't feel like it really connects. It's like outside of her. Like she's shifting her. You know, obsession with wanting Kate to, you know, see her or fight with her or whatever it was, onto Jacob now, and it, there's like a dis, there's like a weird disconnect because it's like outside of those two people, who is Alice? And that would be an interesting thing to explore. And I don't feel like they're really doing anything towards her if they're trying to like redeem her later on down the line. They're not really making you know, any strides to do that. So it's just really awkward to sort of watch her and I still think she's a great character but she does take up like a lot of screen time where it could be used elsewhere. Um, And also Luke, like it's like they've forgotten the fact that um, his dad, the whole mystery surrounding his dad has just been dropped and they haven't Mm -hmm. revisited that. So I'm wondering if they ever will or if they're ever going to give Luke anything at all
1: <laughs> outside of just you know I think being I think the, they've the, made their campaign. stance on that clear <laughs> it seems so but I will continue to
2: hope <laughs> and, and yeah obviously I did not like Angelique getting kidnapped either I felt really bad for her um and I feel like they've done a really great job in making us care somewhat for her and Ryan together and the fact that this her being kidnapped also hurts Ryan and and also just shows how the system continues to be corrupt because the bad guys will always just come after people who put them in the line of fire is just <sighs> sad. <laughs> that is sad
1: so yeah that is all sad 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 but yeah i definitely agree about the whole julia thing like in that i liked her team up with alice and i liked that she got to the truth but i did not like that sophie was dismissed from the storyline and dismissive of the storyline in order to dismiss her from the storyline um because i I definitely agree that like it doesn't make sense for her to be like oh you can't remember large chunks of that i guess you were just drunk that's hilarious (laughs) does not seem right i think i'd be like "Mm, you you a you must be drinking too much
0: i think you need to go to an aa meeting right now
1: (laughs) um or b you know wow that does sound especially because this is her
0: ex-girlfriend i mean like yeah
1: Especially when we're dealing with a drug going around town that changes your memories. Like, maybe something's going on with that. I don't know. Maybe I'm making a connection here. Um, So that was stupid. And then, of course, at the end of it, like, she's like, okay, I guess I'm off to Barcelona or whatever, which Berlin, sorry, Berlin, which makes sense in that, like, they have to ship her off screen because now she, look, she knew the truth. She doesn't know the truth anymore. That way we know the truth, but no one else can know. I get it. And also, hopefully, this means Sophie can just take her screen time. But it, it is kind of just, like, blah, anticlimactic. Okay, bye! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you. I think we could have just revealed Enigma on our own in that case. Um, but speaking of uh, the snake bite, the side effect of snake bite is the same as, like, getting a good night's sleep. And just, like, before you go to bed, being like, God, I really hope that I <laughs> dream about this. And then you like, dream about All that. you really needed was melatonin. <laughs> exactly! Yeah. <laughs> no, this is... Like I can't believe we're doing all of this for a drug that is that pointless, but okay, I guess. So, yeah, um, that was, a, you know, that was a letdown. I thought there was something else going on with Bite. although it did make me very emotional, but I just think it's overall just a little bit silly. Um, outside of that, I was rooting. like I said, I was rooting for Jacob um, until he was like, I know, I'm going to go to Mary and I'm going to tell her, I will make your clinic legit, which will thus take away the point of your clinic. And have real doctors there and they have to require they, they'll they turn away the riffraff that i don't want you to be interacting with and then mary was like i will never forgive you which was also a bit much i was like okay mary you guys only have each other at this point so maybe you should just <laughs> at least once try to explain I was like, <laughs> it was like he was trying mary exactly. he was trying really he was, hard he was making an effort <laughs> a and B, like both times that she's confronted about this it's been like Because you're terrible. You will never understand. And I'm like, why don't you try, like, hey, Dad, let me, you know, make you a PowerPoint about why this is important to me. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe he'll get it. So, yeah, so that was a bit unfortunate, speaking of rooting for people until, yes, I agree with what Jessica said. Like, hello, Alice was (laughs) hearing exactly what she needed to hear, right, to heal. And then she's like, I don't want to heal unless it's through. Melatonin snake bite, and so whatever, or enigma-ness, <laughs> which is just like snake bite plus, I guess. So, anyway, whatever. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? I, I mean, there's nothing really else that I didn't like other than yeah, I don't like Anissa. What the hell? Angelique getting kidnapped. <laughs> I don't like Angelique getting kidnapped again because oh boy, <laughs> there, will be, there will be something to be said about Anissa and kidnappings later on, but yes, I don't understand. Um, poor Angelique. I would definitely just stay in the dark side if I were her at this point.
3: Like, <laughs> right?
1: She's already. She tried to turn over a new leaf, and she just gets just gets worse. And then when you know, Ryan is like, "Don't worry, I'll never let them hurt you." Two seconds later, they are hurting yeah. her. <laughs> okay, Ryan. I'm, clearly, that is not working out
0: for you. Um. Anyway, so, uh, would you like to read the feedback? Yes. So, Batwoman feedback. We have Marie who says, Jack Jake on the juice. This episode was interesting. I like that Ryan and Angelique got to talk more because, and I might be the only one, I really do like them together. Or what they could be if the writers tried a bit more. I saw the ending coming, but I hope Angelique is saved. It would definitely be too much to have her die this quickly, which I don't think, you know, they need her alive because no one else makes make a snake bite and they can't find Ocean. So I think she's safe. She has one valuable skill.
2: Um, and I think if they wanted to kill her, they would have done it. They would have them. done it in the
0: car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with how rough Angelique's life has been so far and the fact that she was finally trying to do better, it would be almost cruel, I think, to kill her. Ryan's been through so much. Kidnapping, jail, homelessness, dead moms. A dead girlfriend might be the limit. I'd like to ha- I'd have to intervene. Jordan needs to be fun, and I like that they worked with her for the community center. Though, how the hell did they get that up so fast? I know is a billionaire, but it's been, what, like a week? I wish they had addressed it, even with a throwaway line. I feel like, was it like a, it wasn't like a ground up. It was like a renovation. I think so. Cause I think the building was already there. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, said, in the past, I felt like writers use social justice as more of a manufactured moment rather than natural plot points. And while I still mostly feel like that way, I hope I'm proved wrong. The prison plot was heavy handed, but based in realism. So I hope that they have the depth to really explore this issue in a way that doesn't cheapen the real life struggle of many. Also, Julia was fine in this episode. Couldn't stand Miss Pip, Pip Cheerio <laughs> at first. But, <laughs> but I think I'm coming around. Oh, and Jacob was wild and Jacob at work? Sir. <laughs> so I'm gonna get him to bay
3: four. I ASAP. hope he
0: locked the door. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did. <laughs> he said because that was too much. Um next week looks fine. Sophie and Ryan team up. The wild moors will be happy. They're eating good. So, thanks, Marie. Um, we have Swara who says, Oh, my God, that woman! God, I love this show so much! <laughs> <laughs> it's my Suara voice. Um, honestly, one of my top superhero shows at the moment. Honestly, I think this show is handling discussions of racial and social issues hundred times better than The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And certainly better than virtually any era of our show has done. The central plot felt so real grounded and was used to great effect to propel the conflict with the villain. Prisons and those who run them are bad. It was overall an amazing episode and I love how Ryan teamed up with Jordan through it. I was so weirded out by Horton coming to the community center at first to argue that they might need police. But I'm glad that the real reason he said that was revealed and that the episode ended on a relatively solid anti-cop, anti-prison message. Um, please, more of the CW writers. Angelique getting kidnapped at the end was heartbreaking, but again, I overall find myself compelled by this plot line and how they're trying, they're tying it to Black Mask. The Alice and Julia stuff is fine, I guess. I didn't feel strongly one way or the other. Thank you, Swara. And then we have Sonia who says, Oh, she has a Patreon question. Loving having Patreon be able to listen to other podcasts, other shows. Currently, listening to Buffy. And the and would love it if you can do one on Angel. Hmm. Just one for you. like, and also could <laughs> you do
3: one on Agents watch of it, Shield?
1: Then. Oh, that's an interesting. That's you. an interesting thought. Did the Angel. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then no, the I'm Shuffle. just saying it's an interesting thought. I'm not saying we have to do it. Just yeah. Saying. Yeah. The thought. I like. I haven't.
2: I've I remember never, less I I about like one episode, maybe. So I. Have I watch
0: definitely watch. watched Angel, but I don't know how far I got in Angel.
2: We could do the same thing we did with Buffy.
0: Look up Top Angel yeah, we'll episodes. It. Yeah. We'll talk about it. I <laughs> mean, um, she's also pushing for Agents. I knew she was pushing for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.
2: <laughs> I was thinking today something about how I would explain it to Jessica. <laughs> so, you know,
0: it's it, we'll put it on the list as well. well. <laughs> Our Batwoman feedback says, um, can someone please explain to me why Alice is just allowed to roam Gotham and be free? Like, she is a literal murderer. And after watching this week's Flash episode and seeing the Killer Frost storyline, Alice being allowed to be free just makes even less sense. The first scene was awesome, but can I just talk about how hilarious it is that the news reporter was literally reporting live. Yeah, I thought that was funny. She was <laughs> like literally reporting live while about women beating up people, like hashtag priorities. <laughs> <laughs> even though I hate Jacob, I felt bad for him this episode with the snake bite and him being so distraught about Beth and Kate. And Mary even, though the latter is his own fault, but I, that's neither here nor there how in the hell do all these Crows agents keep having random people in their back seats and them not knowing? <laughs> like, I think they need better training. Um, she loves seeing Imani, um take and taking down the reporter with facts. Like, yes, queen. Um, wondering if Imani is supposed to be a love interest for one of the ladies, I guess, because it seemed like Jordan was trying to set them up, because she started the conversation between them, and then was like, oh my god, I need to get a drink real quick. You you two talk. Okay, bye. Like, she literally wasn't, uh, she wasn't literally trying to set up Ryan and her sister in the last episode. Jordan just wants Ryan to be with somebody. Like, somebody is going to get this girl.
3: Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Two favorite scenes of the episode involved Luke, the fight scene, when Luke was testing the lightning weapon and accidentally activated it, and the second one when he shot people with the weapon, and was like, What? What I can't let you have all the fun. I like that. It was good to see Julia again and how she was able to figure out who Enigma was before getting her mind white. Speaking of Julia, I love the fact that Alice um, prank called the crows and calling her Penny dreadful. And also that Alice noticed that Julia scribbled notes on her boarding pass. Also, speaking of Alice, it's so sad that she wants us, she wants to use Enigma to forget everything. Like this poor girl has been through so much. Um, and then she finally the ending scene with Angelique was so crazy I can't wait for the next episode so that they can save her. So um, Sonya had more to say and so did some of the others but of course all of that will go on the Tumblr. I think that's all the Batwoman's feedback. Oh wonderful. Do we have any predictions before we move on? Um, I would just say that, ooh, actually we did get an on today that I thought was really um, interesting. They had kind of a, their prediction or whatever that um, she's like, I get hitting the crows. Well, she I'm just assigning genders to an anonymous person. They were like, I get hitting the crows, but Kate couldn't possibly be responsible for Roman's daughter's death. Maybe that's just what enigma has made him believe someone Ooh. with her talent could easily be the one really behind blackface. Blackface. black, face, black, face.
3: <laughs> black-
0: <laughs> See? <laughs> 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 black mask in the false face society. It just makes more sense to me that the big bag of season two would be a woman, which I totally, totally agree with. I think that makes a a lot of sense. And it makes sense because, like, you know, she has a history with Sophia. It would make, you know, and then she was the one that was responsible for brain wiping Ocean and Alice, so having Ocean help her get snake bite off the ground. And then also she knows so much about Alice that it would make sense that she would know how to manipulate she would she'd know who kate was and know how to manipulate that kind of relationship between um alice jacob and kate so i think that's a really strong um yeah
2: because she's definitely got like chaotic evil vibes
0: yeah and then also mine is i just think it's like funny that there's no kate in this episode even though like kate only fans are like (laughs) (laughs) this is kate's season (laughs) (laughs) um so, but I do predict that we will still have nothing of Kate because technically she doesn't have a face, right? Because we have to explain like why her face has changed. So unless Cartwright is like undead, no longer dead because of the crisis, which conveniently makes Kate no longer a murderer, um, and unless Alice is giving like, unless she was giving like face making classes on the island, you know, like instead of party classes, she's like let's make a face, you know, and Enigma took her class. Like she's the only one that can do face transplants and tie together that thread of, you know, it looked like Ruby, now it looks like Wallace, Um, which means that Alice needs to cross paths with Enigma, which is what she's getting closer to doing in order to discover Kate, Um, and whether she, you know, whether Enigma tells her it's Kate or not or whatever, but I feel like Kate's storyline isn't really going to start until Alice gets to her, so it's like, TikTok, Alice, Mm -hmm. you're late, you're late (laughs) for a very important date. (laughs) So, yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my... The only headache. thing
2: I will say about that is, like, not even anything uh, bad, but, like, it makes me wonder why, because if that's going to be the case, then, like, why announce Wallace so early, I guess? Exactly. You know? It's Like, why? Why would you do that? <laughs> just wait until she just emerges, and the, there's her face, and you're like, oh, my God, that's Wallace Day. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, whatever. I agree with this, and I have nothing to add. <laughs> but I do have... Things to say about painkillers, Black Lightning's painkiller episode. If that is what we are doing next, yes. Okay. Um, so Khalil Payne, which I did not realize was his name, yes. and that suddenly makes sense. Painkiller. I get it. I get it. Is a young <laughs> man ridden with the guilt of his troubled past from his former life in Freeland City, where he offed his mama as a super enhanced killing machine known as Painkiller. He was both a member of Tobias Wales gang and a weapon of Agent Odell and the shadowy ASA organization. After attempting to bury the darker, devastatingly lethal painkiller part of his persona, Khalil has distanced himself away from everyone he knows and loves in a new city, Akashic Valley, in order to find peace. But instead, he just finds like a bunch of crazy technology and much higher level villainy. So that's great for him. As his violent, destructive history crashes his idyllic new beginnings, thanks to Anissa and Grace's last-minute honeymoon gone wrong, Khalil is thrusted back into action with a new mission, bring justice, where he once gave out punishment. But to do that, he will first have to deal with and harness his darker side, Painkiller, and also the shadowy villain lady on his TV screen, who is ASA Agent Odell's daughter. And that's what you missed on, Glee, because nothing else happened in that episode. So, what did you find that was joyful about the episode?
2: Uh, I thought it was really clever that, because I was like, Akashic Valley, like, what? is this place (laughs) and the fact that they i I did some digging and they tied it into this i guess it's like a sort of philosophy it's called the akashic uh, akashic record i don't know how you say it um but basically according to wikipedia (laughs) is in theosophy or anthropology philosophy which is interesting the akashic uh, records is a compendium of all universal events thoughts words emotions and intent ever to have occurred in the past present or future in terms of all entities and life forms not just human which is interesting because Khalil actually uses the phrase in the episode where like it's a place where past present and future exists i was like aha yeah. clever clever show um so i thought that was interesting because since he's really big on meditating and doing all this um, philosophical spiritual stuff to sort of guide him between the two you know his duality of being painkiller the you know straight up killer to Khalil who is trying to be like a really better person and so I thought it was interesting that they they did that because I think that they did in general like the conversations that the two had with each other was um really well done not the external part but like the internal part (laughs) (laughs) where he was just like, this is who you are. And he's like, no, it's not. Um, So I thought that was really, really great because, you know, it's like an internal war uh, and they showed it as such. And especially like the scene where he um, is going in to try to save... uh, an not anissa grace from the from the building and this like the shot of him sort of like a mirror like two of him running towards um the camera i thought that was really well done and just speaks to uh just his eternal fight now as balancing two to try to be not like a hero hero or a villain but like an anti-hero and um so i see what you're doing there, show so very clever and i just like the fact that we kind of caught up with Khalil. Like for him, it's also been a year later. And I like the fact that he t- found that ASA had a stash of millions of dollars and he just took it <laughs> and, you know, created, I guess, or bought a building, created a research facility in this really high tech. I was wondering like, where did you get all this? He's like, yeah. I bought you a
0: building. I'm like, how sir? <laughs> you were 18. <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's got those connections. <laughs> so good on him. Um, and I, you know, To continue like research to also do all this painkiller stuff uh, or Khalil stuff, I guess. Um, And that was really interesting and like sort of seeing where he went from the end of season three Black Lightning to where he is now. And he's like in a much better place generally. And I like that the only way that they sort of of tie it back into painkiller coming out is to trigger him seeing the pierces because that is what he has been brainwashed to do to go after them. So I thought that came – uh, around really well and also the the new characters like I like their relationship with each other I like Cousin Donald I thought he was very um, like a kind man who understands where Khalil's is coming from and I really liked his conversation with Anissa um, about PTSD and just kind of trying to like pave the way for your life like after everything all this shit's happened to you basically and I really like um, Filk um, and their relationship because it seems like not like he's like the Alfred to his Batman, but sort of. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, you know, they're interesting characters on their own that I would be interested to see where the show would take them if they did finally order the spinoff. Um, and I, th- I liked what's her face. Whoa! And then my captions were like, "Whoa, man!" I was like, "Interesting." <laughs> oh, Whoa, man! Like woman? Well,
0: yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, exactly." I was like, "Which one was she?"
2: She was the one in the van that helped them lead them She's to a, Maya's. Oh,
0: okay. Like the eventual love interest possible. Love yeah. interest, maybe? It really seemed that way.
2: Um, so I, I liked all those interactions. I thought Maya was really like she was a uh, creepy villain in the sense that, like, you knew she she had goals. She believed in those goals. She's like and she an evil Janelle Monet. Yes. <laughs> 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 yes, yeah, that's perfect. She really was. And, you know, I just, like her vibe, her style. She just. You know, she need. She had a plan. She wanted to get it done. She knew how to get it done, and she didn't even let anything get in in the way of that. And I like that. She's like, "Oh, Grace, a metahuman. This is perfect for my research." So I, I always like villains that have, uh, you know, their affairs in order and know what they want because <laughs> it helps all of us, really. So I like that. She seems like a formidable foe. Um, should Khalil come cross paths with her once more? And the fact that she's Odell's daughter, right? And not that comment. <laughs> That was a brilliant. Answer.
0: I'm like, oh shit! <laughs> like that's when I really woke up to the episode at the it's end. Like, it kind of <laughs> makes sense, like why she would be so formidable if she's his daughter and like shit.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and now I mean, just the whole vibe of the city w- was just great. And I, you know, even though I have no idea where it is, but <laughs> I think that it was a decent uh, start to at least like Khalil's personal journey uh, forward. So,
0: yeah, good stuff. I love 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 the vibes of Akashic Valley and I I like that you were able to do some digging and make it make a little bit more sense about like what it is and what it means like past present and future because I think that's really um interesting concept. I still don't know where it's supposed to be located, but the con- I I'm I'm vibing with the concept right now. Um the opening of Thunder Grace, like in their self-driving car, riding through the city and arriving at their super expensive-looking hotel, complete with like digital assistant mirror wall, like rich, rich bitches. <laughs> it was and like, it hotel room like a, too. Oh my it was God. so like <laughs> luxe, and you know it would have been like a really sexy honeymoon <laughs> if she didn't, if they didn't have to like ruin it like two seconds after they got there. Um, I like how the tech is incorporated into um, a lot of the other little details. Like you have the hologram musician at the bar, um, the clear video phone booths, which like I'm trying to remember like the last time I saw an actual phone booth. Um, but I guess it's like that past connecting with the future and blending and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but I like, you know, how they have like video screens in the phone booth and just seems like a really cool um digital city like very vibrant very you know all the the neon colors um everything about like the the location i think was great um i also like filk and don and aesthetically <laughs> and also like the dynamics and the relationships between the three um i particularly like with filk and khalil that you know like you said he's it's kind of an alpha ba- batman situation but also um when khalil tries to like be dominant like I told you to get this done and, and like Phil was like hold up you're not my boss <laughs> first of all back up um so it is kind of it was more of like a they're on the same level they're equals in this partnership and trying to um create something together so there's no like hierarchy that one is over the other and then I like that Dawn is kind of like the the softer energy Um, between the three of them and kind of the more nurturing one, which makes, you know, sense with his, like, medical background. And, um, you know, it comes out in his conversation with um, Anissa about PTSD and all the things that Khalil is going through because Anissa is not necessarily, um, you know, a friendly ear at the moment. Like, she's got a – there's a lot of history between her. And obviously, like, she's rightly to, you know – on edge because painkiller just tried to kill her and he's inside khalil and so there's that you know how can i maneuver around this so i like that that connection that conversation that she had with dawn about khalil the person and the ptsd and like you know what all he's going through so she could get like a different perspective on him um i also like that her, at the end of the episode, when she does connect with Khalil, and they do have that conversation, and they do kind of open up each other, I felt like it was the softest Khalil was the entire episode. I was like, oh, there he is! Because I feel like, you know, for most of the episode, he's been very kind of, like, reserved and distant, a little bit closed off, and trying to be um, in control of everything all the time. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, talking about the Pierces, talking about Jennifer, he kind of feels like the soft Khalil, like, his actual age... And you know, like season one, Cleo. Um, so that, that that was like a really kind of cute moment, um, between them and for him in that episode. Um, I like, um, the whole, I also like the whole like dynamic between and the themes of like meditation and yin and yang and war and peace that's going on between Cleo and, and painkiller or PK. Um, because it feels like they, because they've, it's, this is a year later, so they've been at this for a year. And it feels like they've gone through a lot of the work in trying to, like, understand each other and find some kind of, like, um, bearable space that they can work together. Um, and, like, PK seems a little bit more humanized in the sense that he knows the what is, like, driving him is this kill order set by Odell. Um, and it's not he can't like let go of it let go of the pierces um because of that and it won't let him release this tension he can't move on essentially because this is the thing in the back of his mind and as much as he wants to to believe himself to be like autonomous and you know there's just something in the back um in his like coding or whatever that won't let him let it go um and so th- i think there's like a lot of like in their internal conversations and internal like warring with each other over you know who should went out of what and um how it kind of i thought it was it was a very like weird moment for painkillers to get like emotional oh, inside no. maya's office and be like i should end it all <laughs> <laughs> but, but i do like that there was like a a breakthrough between the two of them and I, I like that there was like a um, fear on his part um, not trusting the reasons why Khalil wanted to pursue the technology um, to kind of like understand the two of them um, because he felt like Khalil was trying to like erase him. And so then you get to like the, the office aftermath and him kind of like opening up like it was his mom too and all this kind of... It was like very nice, like brotherly kind of thing. Um, so I, I really like their exploration in the opening episode. Um, I like that Grace saved herself, that she was part of saving herself, because I feel like, you know, now I'm talking about it more in No Joys, because I don't like that she got kidnapped in the first place, but mm-hmm. um, I just feel like there's a lot of growth in there that she feels more powerful, um, so that was that was good. Um, the fight choreography in The Office was some of the best fight choreography I've seen in the Arrowverse, probably in the DC verse, whatever. Um, Jordan just was just doing the damn thing, I thought it like fighting choreography just looked really, really nice, really, really well done, um, really, really cohesive, and it's a big fight too because he's fighting like a lot of different people. Um, so I just thought it was really, really well done. Um, and then, like Let said, seeing Odell alive and like knowing that he's my dad at the end kind of just like threw me for a loop, and it was like a, a, a decent plot twist because um, he's. I guess you'd say he was, like, one of the more effective villains on Black Lightning. So bringing him over to this new show, it could be good, it could be bad, or whatever. But just, like, that threat and how he is connected to Khalil and to Painkiller was interesting to see that he is still alive.
1: Agreed. I also thought it was interesting that uh, Odell was still alive. And I like how it's a way to connect painkiller back to the black lightning universe uh in this new show giving us a bridge hopefully anissa and grace will be included in that bridge but you know for now at least we know that the two cities are connected even if they feel like they are worlds apart and i agree that it was like a surprising twist i don't like odell but i think that he'll be a more interesting match versus painkiller than he was versus the pierces i think um but also, I loved Anissa and Grace getting to go on their honeymoon. I thought they are having such a nice time for the first, like, three minutes of the show. Um, and I totally agree with you guys about the aesthetic. I think um, Acoustic Valley looks really cool. I love how they designed everything. I love how high-tech it all is, how it does really feel like a different world. Um, and yet, in that, that's the place that Khalil chose to go, like, find peace. So he's doing, like, what you'd expect to be, like, the Kung Fu Sanctuary. Like, I feel like the show could air at the same night as Kung Fu, one right after the other. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yet he's in, like, the center of, I don't know, commerce or high-tech, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it does work out with his little team that he's that he's, like, brought together, even though, like, I don't feel like we got that much of them. But what we did get was, like, a nice contrast, right? There's, like, the dude who taught um, Khalil how to breathe. And then there's the, the dude who's, like, the, the guy in the chair, right? So you're getting, like, both both sides of um, the world. From, like, the martial arts, uh, zen master uh, side. And then the, like, cool gadgets and fun tricks kind of side. So that's going to be interesting, I hope. Um, the girl that you mentioned, Woman. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. (laughs) I look forward to more of that. Um, And I liked that the arc of the first episode was like Khalil going from being reluctant, right? Like he doesn't want to try heroism because it's already gone wrong for him so many times. He doesn't want to be a danger to anyone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But then Anissa like infuses him with with a belief in himself and now he can go kick some butt. So that's interesting. I also think that the painkiller and Khalil... Showdowns in his head. That's like how of Frost should have been depicted in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's actually a much more um, interesting. It's more interesting visually, and it does actually, you know, Jordan Collie gets to highlight his chops, his acting chops, of course. That would not be possible. Bicep chops and his bicep chops. (laughs) His his physical chops. (laughs) So, so yeah, so that so I thought that was good. Also, thought the fight scene. The fight scene was pretty. The fight scenes were pretty cool and the lighting was really good. Um, I feel like it's not often in like dark, like, oh, greedy shows, the lighting's usually like, nah, you can't see shit. But here, I was Titans. like, oh. <laughs> exactly. Here, I could see, you know, thank you, technology lights, city of uh, <laughs> city, <laughs> city of Neon, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, let me see if I have any other thoughts. Um, I no, I just like I like that Khalil's like building a family for himself already and yet, you know, we're still seeing that he's still having that internal struggle. Um, it is definitely the most we've really gotten to understand his character outside of like Jennifer. But speaking of Jennifer, I like that she got a shout out and that joke, like Anissa made that line like she's like, Oh yeah, well she's changed. She's changed now. And I was like, Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, she has. Um Yeah. So there you go. Overall I was like, I'm interested. I'm interested enough. I feel like we could have You know, I I would be willing to see where this goes. All right, what did we not like? What was not joyful?
2: In general, I think because this was a backdoor pilot, I feel like there's a lot of, in terms of writing, they could have tightened it up a lot because it felt sort of slow to get to, you know, one thing to another. And the way that they introduced all the relationships was like fine, but it didn't, make me feel fully invested in like where it's going to go. Like if Woe was set up as Khalil's future love interest, like I wasn't feeling that <laughs> between them. Um And the fact that I guess it's slightly disappointing because Jennifer and Khalil were the ones that had the main connection. The fact that Anissa was in this episode threw me off a little bit because I feel like there could have been a stronger emotional impact had it been Jennifer who they cross paths somehow and like between her new face and you know his new life it would have been really interesting to to see that dynamic play out um and there there was a lot of anissa <laughs> And I don't feel like the plot didn't – like the plot didn't really know what to do with her. She was sort of sitting it out the whole time because of the whole uh, painkiller venom. And I don't like that Grace was kidnapped. Like these two are on their honeymoon. They barely got two seconds before it was all just destroyed. Um, And I just feel like they could have gone a different route in introducing – like what Khalil's play is going to be going forward without having to necessarily tie Thunder Grace into it because it just feels like they're like I'm confused, I guess, because it's like, are they going to be part of the show? Um But I don't know. So it's just it was a little bit off putting to to see how much Anissa was specifically involved, because I feel like that. I know that she's a character we know, but it also sort of took away from like the relationships Khalil had built with the other characters that we're supposed to get to know in the future since they're going to would be as in the center. Ugh, can't speak today. They would be the center of the show if it gets picked up. So I feel like there could have been a lot more time dedicated to establishing their relationships and, you know, just more camaraderie, I guess. Um, So that that's like my main gripe. And then the, like I said, Grace getting kidnapped was not, not fun because I feel like every time she is in an episode a lot, there's just something going on where she's not allowed to grow she's or anything like that. Out, so it? it's yeah. yeah. And it's just really frustrating because it's like we do want more of this character. She's an interesting character and like she hasn't really developed, like we don't really know what's going on in her head about anything that's really happening. Um, so that's frustrating that, you know, she shows up again and it's like, whoop, you knocked out for the whole thing. Save yourself which is fine, but, (laughs) 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 so I don't know, there could have, there could have been more of that if they were going to include her in it, not just to show up in a pilot and just be kidnapped immediately, so that sucked, and then, what else, there's just, I do like Akashic uh, Akashic Valley, but also, I don't, like, I was just so confused, (laughs) Like, is it supposed to be in the U.S.? And I don't get, like, they could have expanded on that more because then we didn't get a lot of information about a lot of things. And I feel like to have been, uh, for it to have been a little bit more interesting, they could have expanded on some of, like, Khalil's backstory or, like, the world that he lives in now instead of just kind of keeping it to his team and sort of just seeing the aesthetic that it was on the outside.
0: Yeah, I think that was my biggest problem it kept throwing me out of the episode because like while akashic valley is very beautiful and i want to live there i'm also very confused geographically where is it supposed to be chronologically when is it supposed to be (laughs) um (laughs) it doesn't match the rest of the Arrowverse. it's like it's not like slightly different it's like extremely different and while like what you're saying about the whole concept of akashic akashic records or whatever um and being like a blend of past, present, and future makes sense. I don't know how it makes sense in this reality. Um <laughs> I wish they I wish they could have explained better like where it is, how we got there, like, you know. Because it felt like, you know, in, in the opening, you go through, like, a desert, and there's, like, the owl, which I thought was a really cool visual. But, like, is it supposed to be, like, secret Las Vegas or, <laughs> you know, something? I don't know. You have to
2: go through I, a waterfall to get yeah, there?
0: <laughs> I. You know, you walk, to you see a mirage, and then all of a sudden it opens up. And I think, whoa, because she's, she's, like, on the outskirts. Her area is, like, looks like normal people. It's not, like, in the city. So, like, at some point you go back to reality, but it just feels like it takes place in a fantasy land inside of a fantasy land. And so it's hard to connect, you know, this with the rest of them because we're not in different universes anymore. So we're all in one plane. Um So it's just kind of hard to connect. Why? Like who is like the governor of Akashic Valley? What What's their infrastructure plan? Like, why isn't this like, why is yeah, it stopping in Akashic? Yeah. <laughs> Why is it stopping here and, and not being contributed to the rest of, of the Arrowverse? I don't know. Um, so, there's just like all these like questions, you know, that I have about the location. Um, I also don't like the groups kidnapped on their honeymoon. I, I just don't like that they choose kidnap, period. Because it's, you know, they're going to be like honeymoon. Like, they could have like witnessed a kidnapping and then they could have helped Khalil or like brought Khalil, like, this is what we do. This is what you should, you know, this is how you atone or whatever. Um, So I don't like that Grace was kidnapped, especially because of, like, her traumatic past. Like, her past is literally human trafficking. Like, she was human trafficked for years. Um, And so to be kidnapped like that and, like, put into a back of a van, that's just, like, really, really traumatic. Um, I just feel like, why would you do that to her? Again, it just seems, like, really triggering. And although I like that she was able to save herself, she was able to be, like, you know, years ago, I was not strong enough or confident enough to be able to save myself, and now I am. But they didn't even, you yeah, because it's not her story. They, like they, that wasn't even like explored. That's what was going on in that moment. Um, yeah. So, and then also, I think with Painkiller with PK and Khalil, I get like the voice, the like the gruff like Batman voice, and the close differentiation between the two when Khalil's like meditating, and we get to see them talk to each other internally inside his mind. Um because there's are like visual cues of who is who. What I don't get is how to distinguish them when they are controlling the host externally, because I feel like Khalil is just as skilled. Um, he, I, maybe he's not as efficient. I don't know. But he is a skilled fighter, SPK, um, just without like the poison, obviously. And both of their personalities at, the, at this moment are like a sliding scale of like gruff crows off. Um, <laughs> with, like, PK being, like, obviously much more towards the end of the gruffness and scale and, and not being friendly. Um, but Khalil, at this moment, is not all that friendly either, which, it, it makes sense. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be friendly because he's been through so much, and he, he reads a lot older than he actually is, um, and I think that's a lot to do with all of the trauma that he's been put through, um, but it also makes it difficult to tell, like in the fight when they had the initial conversation. I thought that was that was like PK from the beginning, but then like in the middle of the fight, Khalil's like, "Okay, painkiller it's your turn." I'm like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> I thought you just was painkiller." So, this um, this switching between the two of them just seems like it's very subtle, and I feel like it would help if there were more external visual cues as to was who. like I know, like talked to you saying like the internal dialogue is what they should have done for Caitlyn and Killer Frost on the flash it would have been right. you know better externally <laughs> i feel like there's something to be said about the fact that whenever Cait- there's, there's a physical change whenever caitlyn turns into killer frost and i feel like that would be helpful if there is like a physical external change between Khalil and pk like I don't know if like he has like a scar or I don't know what you want to do. Like I feel like if Grace can shape shift a mask and shapeshift into a costume. <laughs> 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 I'm sure that they can have PK bring out like something that belongs to him from the mind dojo whenever he's like the one controlling the body. So I can be like, Okay, that's PK. So um yeah, if they if they get to a series, if, I hope hopefully that will be you know, some kind of like differentiator between the two of them would be great
2: give Alex blue eyeshadow do something
3: <laughs> right <laughs> oh
1: is it my turn Ah, mm-hmm. oh, well okay I will start with um while I totally agree that they need more differentiation between painkiller and um Khalil I did not like the voice changer differentiation because I was like I literally cannot understand what you were saying painkiller I don't <laughs> know what's happening <laughs> um so I would like to get a different one other than that, but I agree that there should be a more visual differentiation, and actually, the part where it struck me the most was the fight scene, like, the final fight scene, like, the moves were good and whatever, but Khalil went all out, and then he traded with Painkiller, who just went more all out, so I was like, okay, why do we need Painkiller? Khalil already was murdering them, like, I don't know that (laughs) Painkiller did much more, like, I feel like there should have been, like, a... A much more early, so much more like, oh my god, he's about to be overpowered, and that's when painkiller comes out. But it felt like he was like, Okay, finish him, painkiller. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so like that was kind of weird. Um and also, yes, I definitely agree. There was not there was way too much Anissa, Anissa and way not enough, Grace. I don't understand why Grace always gets a on in the stick, why she's always kidnapped. Like, yay, she got to save herself, but like I didn't get to witness the majority of her saving herself. It was literally just like Grace is off being, you know, held captive. This is so sad. Oh hey, there's Grace. She's back now. Bless. Um, I don't know. Do they hate her? I don't know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but I would like them to fix it. Because I think that she deserves better. Um, and also I just think that they spend so much time on Anissa. And also just like how like Khalil would care about Anissa because of her relationship with Jennifer. And also just how he cares about the pierces and like whatever, blah blah blah. He really respects the pierces. Um, that I'm like what are they going to do when the second, like, the second episode, if this goes to, you know, becomes a show itself? Then they're not going to have any pierces. And then it'll just be about the other people that we met for, like, three minutes in this show. So I don't mm-hmm. know that they're really going to have the pull. Like, people are really going to be like, yes, I want to watch this for those people. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, um, what else? Is there anything that I want to say? Uh, yeah, I don't understand how uh, Cossack Valley exists. I don't understand how there's just like one city that is normally still in the United States that has all of this, and then no one else has access to it, or no one else right? knows about it, no one else is trying to take it from them. Exactly. Very weird. Very weird behavior. So I don't know how that happened. And it's obviously like something you know about, because Anissa and Grace just went there, you know, and they weren't surprised by what they saw. So that seems very, very strange. You'd think that someone would have talked about it by now. I don't know. Um, like so the yeah,
2: of the US. right. The Markovia position. of the U.S. Right.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So basically, or like I Wakanda, think like, you Wakanda, know, like yeah. a <laughs> secret technologically advanced valley in the right. middle of the
1: right. U.S. But, you know, even though, like, like, so yeah, I thought it was like overall an intriguing premise, um, with really cool visuals. I don't know if they can keep that up for more, you know, like, I feel like your budget goes down drastically after you, you start off, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if they can keep that up. Um, but yeah, so it just needed. It just need. I just think it needed a little bit more of the characters that we we're gonna be following.
0: And um, I also feel like there's like there's only so long that they can sustain PK versus Khalil because they yeah. already kind of resolved it in the first right. episode, really. So now if they're working together, now it's even gonna be even friends. more difficult to tell them apart. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Yeah, they
1: did like a season's worth of Killer Frost in one episode, so. eh. all right. Um, Please
0: give the feedback. So we have feedback from Paulina and Suara. Paulina says, Hope you're doing well, and I hope you have a fantastic weekend. This week's Black Lightning returned with the painkiller backdoor pilot, which had one of the best fight sequences on superhero television. Oh, and The Flash was on this week, too. So, for Black Lightning... (laughs) She says that I like this episode a lot more than I thought I would, and I was never a Khalil fan, but shockingly, I've really come around to him. I think Khalil has just been through so much trauma and pain, it's really hard not to root for him. I really like the inclusion of meditation and tai chi as being integral in Khalil's journey and taking back control of his mind and body, and also in getting through to painkiller. They're not fully coexisting yet, but they're getting there. Cousin Donald is one fine man. I really liked Anissa and Cousin Donald bonding over medicine and healing. It's nice to see these nods to their professional experience and that being um, a source of conversation for them. Khalil, Filky, Donald, Trio is a lot of fun. They had great chemistry together, and I can see this being a dynamic that really helms the this, this spinoff that gets picked up. I don't know if the premise of the spinoff is sustainable, but I think that they did a really solid job in selling why the story is going to be different, especially in terms of giving us a sense of a, this setting and world um she does not like odell she's like maya being odell's daughter it was an eye roll moment didn't really like how odell is still following us into the spinoff um also
2: how is he still alive
0: because he shot him like in the head right
2: yeah
0: i don't know maybe like maybe um, well, the caustic valley has like yeah. a really really great healthcare <laughs> system as well <laughs>
3: <laughs> you back to life. <laughs> um,
0: she says also the fight sequence between khalil goes to save grace is amazing the choreography is incredible and we get to see both khalil and painkiller fight at different intervals truly one of the best superhero fight sequences ever all in all i thought it was a strong backdoor pilot i think it's bullshit that they're not doing an outsider spinoff but given what we're working with this was a good backdoor pilot so she had more things to say but that would be on tumblr in full and then we have swara who says, the pain door backdoor pilot was fine. Jordan Callaway is a good actor, but I don't think this episode gave him the best material to work with. So much was exposition and set up. I honestly don't like the dual personality thing and not sure if they can make this work well in the long run. I'll still check out the show, but this episode kind of gave me an Arrow vibes and not in a good way. I hope the series, it picked up, proves me wrong and does some good and compelling storytelling. I enjoyed watching Grace and Anissa, but I couldn't help but think it should be their spinoff. Outsiders is right there but also likely in the pipeline for HBO or a film or something. Ultimately, I don't like that the producers are leaving Black Lightning behind for this, whether by choice or circumstance, and I hope to watch the story of the Pierce family done well on the screen once again. And I believe that is all the Black Lightning feedback.
1: That was beautiful. Do we have predictions?
0: I can't predict him so I don't know if it's going to get picked up. <laughs> that's true. Well, yeah. Do you, do you, you, do
1: you think? Up. There you go. That's exactly. Do you think it will be picked up?
2: I don't know. Going by the way that they treated Green Arrows and the Canary, Green Arrows, Green Arrow and the Canaries, I don't They're know. Looking
1: right? Looking but the fact that
2: right. they, they gave him a backdoor pilot to begin with, so it could be possible.
0: I don't Here's know. Like, I, I don't know. Here's what, what I think.
1: I think that the picking up or not of it will tell us the reason why Black Lightning was canceled. That's true. Hmm. I think I, that
0: I, I feel like if if they do pick it up, it's to because like the CW wants to keep this exactly. black superhero genre, and yeah. if they cannot do that with Black Lightning, then exactly. they're going to move forward with Painkiller.
1: Whereas if they don't pick it up, it'll be because Black Lightning was canceled because of ratings, just a normal cancellation,
0: and Black Light and Painkiller didn't do any better in the ratings. So there you go. But I feel like they. You know, that's a good point because they have like a solid like Black Monday lineup mm-hmm. with like all American leading in. Mm-hmm. so they probably want to keep something along that same lines.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: agreed agreed. So so and
2: I think maybe Khalil will like cater to a, I don't a know younger cater to a younger di- demographic. I forget yeah. he's a teenager on the show, so
1: <laughs> that's right. It is hard to remember. Actually, I guess at this point maybe he's eighteen.
0: But yeah, he's still a baby. he's,
1: he's,
0: he's still a like baby. He's like mid-twenties. <laughs> yeah. He, he, like in the show, it was like, he's like a young adult, like mid-twenties or something like that. But it's like, I had to remind myself, he's 18. <laughs> right,
1: right. All right. So with that in mind, I, it looks like maybe, you know, we're like caution, cautiously optimistic for Painkiller. Side B, Force of Nature slash Queen's Gambit. um, <clears throat> The Flash, although healed from his battle with Psych. Barry's powers seem to be glitching when he's around the Speed Force, probably because he feels uncomfortable about the fact that it's trying to be his mother. Mm -hmm. Barry explodes at the the Speed Force to leave him alone, hurting its feelings until Iris explains to him that relationships change and something. I don't really understand what she was saying to him, but she was right, because Iris always is. Meanwhile, at Ivo Labs, a microchip was stolen and a driver was killed with ice-like powers. Kramer, of course, believes it's Killer Frost because she hates Killer Frost as much as we do, and she issues a warrant for her arrest. Since they are basically twins, she arrests Caitlin instead, despite Joe and Team Flash's protests. Frost compromises Allegra's honesty and goes to her old bar to find info on the new ice meta, where she meets bartender Mark Blaine who thinks it's getting hot in here, so he takes <laughs> off all his clothes.
3: <laughs> but no
1: sex for Frost, sadly, as it turns out that he goes by Chilblaine. He created the microchip before he was fired from whatever Ivo Labs, whatever lab it was, and then used his own cryogenic tech to frame Frost. Mark scanned Frost and replicated her ice powers using his special bracelets. Uh, they get into a fight. And in this tussle, she manages to not fall over flat on her face for several seconds, and instead stabs herself with an icicle, and him as well. Uh, and since she's got healing powers, which for reasons he was not able to replicate, she is fine and he is on the ground. Flash and Allegra provide medical aid to Mark. As she reveals, she recorded Chilblaine's confession. Kramer arrives to the police to arrest Frost, who decides to give herself up to the authorities to atone for her crimes. Meanwhile, Barry and Nora acknowledge it's a whole new Speed Force entity, um, which clears up his shakes and the two bow to take on the other forces together. What brought joy?
0: Um, very little, (laughs) but I think, you know, obviously the, the brighter side of this episode storyline had to do with, you know, Barry adjusting to his Speed Force mom, um, and I like the the West Allen window side chat about how Speed Force Nora has changed into something more, something new. Um, and I think, you know, someone pointed out on Twitter and I was like responding that I definitely think that. Oh, yeah, they, they mentioned that they thought it had to do something with Barry and Iris's love when they recreated the Speed Force is, you know, why the Speed Force has transformed. And I, I definitely think that that um is why that they're you know dancing around it by saying that she's something new she's something more um i think that you know the paragon of love added to the speed force and made it something more than than what it used to be cuz like Barry used to have this connection with the speed force and that it was like this cosmic god um even though it took the 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 visage visage Of Nora, it was still kind of very like flat and very, um, you know, methodical in the way that it spoke to him. So there was this like, there's this distance between them. And this new Nora is kind of like Janet from The Good Place. She's like, hi there, (laughs) how can I help you? Um, very attached to Barry specifically, um, and very almost like human a bit. So it's kind of like jarring because she, she does look like his mom, um, and trying to get used to that relationship. Um, so I like that, you know, Iris used a anecdote of her college days of, you know, when she went off to college, she was Joe's baby. But when she came back, she, they were both two adults trying to like live in the same space. And so, you know, Joe can't really ground Iris cause she's grown. So like, how do you like those, those different dynamics between, um, you know, parents and, and children when the children become adults. So you have like two adults. It's a different dynamic. So I liked how that was used to kind of help Barry kind of understand his his relationship with the Speed Force and how it's kind of changing into something different and that it's not necessarily like a bad thing. And I also like that this is the explanation for the Speed Force being weird and not that she is connected to Thon at all, because I don't like that. I didn't like that prediction whatsoever. So I think this is, like, really, really great. And it goes back to, you know, it's centered in the love that Barry and I are share. Um, so that's cool. And I say major props to Kristen Kramer for sticking to the facts of the case <laughs> and going after Frost. Because in the, and in the eyes of normal people, like, Frost is still a wanted criminal. And, um, you know, when Joe's like, this is not how law enforcement is supposed to work. And she's like, well, actually you know, facial recognition, she matches 80 points, her fingerprints are on the scene, blah, 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 So she had all like actual, like, legit reasons to go after Frost, and I like that, you know, she, she didn't have any kind of, like, bias. Um, so I can't really say that she was going after Frost, because she just hates Frost personally. She's following the facts of the case, and also prior behavior of Frost, which Frost has not been held accountable for. So I, I, you know, good for her, for sticking to her guns. I also like that she seems to like respect Barry and Joe, even though they don't respect her. Um, but I, I like that she respects, you know, the profession. She seems to like really think that, um, Barry is a competent CSI. Um, so that's good. Um, I will say good for Frost and taking accountability at the end. Um, you know, she, because we went through all this whole dance, and she was being so defensive at the beginning. And it, it was, it, it, She got it in under the wire, the accountability. But I like that she was going to hold herself accountable and and plead guilty. Like we did it, Joe. <laughs> we've, because we've been trying to, get the, <laughs> we've been trying to get the writers to address this gap in her redemption world tour for seasons. And even though they've kind of bungled the execution as per usual, um, it's in there. And it's canon and it's on the record that she did bad shit and now it will be addressed and hopefully an appropriate punishment will be carried out. So and I think if she's going to be like an actual redeemed person, she can't just be redeemed to herself and to the Flash. She has to be redeemed to the community. So I think this is a good start.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I was really surprised that she turned herself in at the end, but I was also very proud. I was like, Oh my God, I was about to like write down some thoughts to pitch (laughs) on the next day, but I changed my mind because I couldn't do it because Frost was like, you know, I'm going to actually own up to my um, own up to the things that I did and take accountability and take responsibility and all that jazz. So it was beautiful. Good for her because that is what she should have always done. So I mean, it sucks that she was had to be backed into her corner, but at least she didn't try to like run away when she was surrounded so there you go <laughs> little things um I completely agree with the uh whoever wrote that on Twitter because I also <laughs> pitched something about that I was like oh great minds think alike <laughs> just turned something in like three days ago um so yes I do I do think that's the reason the speed horse is changing too, but Also, I really like the fact that they're – because, like, if the speed force is going to be around, it's nice that she's actually being evolved into something more. She's not just, like, a person who's going to be robotic walking around. Um, And the fact – like, it was interesting because I did think that Barry's discomfort with her was because she was wearing his mom's face. But the fact that it was something else entirely – you know, so I feel like it's also a good conversation towards like Barry and Iris being parents. Who's like, our kids are going yeah. to change <laughs> <laughs> and you will have to accept them. We cannot treat them the way that you did when, you know, they were kids. So I, I did like that conversation. I really like the fact that we got a little bit more about – um like Iris's college years because we don't ever get that at all. Um, even though, you know, <laughs> the flash doesn't understand college. <laughs> we don't mind dissertations during <laughs> <for> freshman year, <laughs> but I really did love the conversation. It was just like classic West Allen sitting at the window. So it reminded me of the season four um, conversation with, they had about, I don't know, something revolving around the thinker. Um, so it was like a parallel to that a little bit. So that was really great. And I thought, excuse me she made some really good points and you know we got to the heart of the matter regarding like why the speed force is being so emo about like you know locking herself up in her room (laughs) (laughs) and just like the scenes which she was trying to help were really funny because (laughs) it's like poof what do you need poof what do you need i'm here for you (laughs) just call (laughs) me i will feel that you need me so i will show up
0: isn't she like janet like hi there (laughs) (laughs) And she knows, like, the answer to everything. Like, Chester's like, can you you do this for us? She's like, yeah, I can. (laughs) Yeah, it was so funny. And it was just, you
2: know, (laughs) seeing Barry and like, oh, my God, just let me do my job. It was really, really funny and great. (laughs) So I like that for them. And just the fact that, you know, she's her being around is for a purpose and she's not just going to sit around star labs and doing nothing. So I feel that was proper character development for um everyone involved. And hopefully that will lead to more her and Iris bonding to, because like you mentioned, she's really like wanting to care about Barry. And it'll be interesting if that theory is true. It's like, is she immensely like, does she want to care about Barry so much because <laughs> it was created out of their love? And Iris really cares about Barry too. So it's like, that whole dynamic would be interesting to um, further explore.
0: I hope she sticks around, to be honest. I don't I don't know how much Michelle Harrison has been, like, filming. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that the Speed Force is now, like, embodying Nora. And she has to be around at least for a while, at least until the Speed Force or the Force's arc is, is over. Mm-hmm. But I just hope that we get to see more of her.
2: Yeah, agreed. Because um, I think she's been great. And it's just nice to have her interact with like other people besides Barry and also have her interact with Barry in a different capacity than she has before. So happy for <sighs> Michelle Harrison. I
0: just like now that we know that Tornado twins are coming and Jay is coming back, like I don't know if she'll stay around that long to like, meet the <laughs> family, but I hope. I hope. Yeah, that would be really great. Um what else did I like
2: about this episode? Uh sh- also, Kristen Kramer. I think that she is – somebody pointed out that she was – she played somebody on Arrow. And I'm like, did she? I can't remember. She played somebody named Mina. I don't remember who she was there. But that's kind of interesting and cool even though she's not the same character. But I really like the actress playing her. And I think that, like you said, you know, she came with the facts and that was great for her because <laughs> – um, When this storyline came about, I was like, what exactly? Like the fact that she, everyone was sitting there trying to defend Frost with like, oh my God, he framed you. I'm like, this is not why Kristen Kramer is really after her. She has a bunch of other stuff that she did too. And that is why she's coming after her. And it's not because she hates metahumans either, because she's like, oh, we have no problem with the Flash. He's fine. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I did like that. She was at least diligent with her job. Um. And that—that that is all. <laughs> I mean, I will say finally before Zati says anything, sorry. <laughs> is that for for a Frost centered episode? It was one of the better ones in that, like Danielle tried to emote and actually like made it seem like Frost's. It's like oh, I feel sad for Frost. I'm like, I guess, but they they did try when, and I can say like it's. It was better in terms of like her episode because usually to sit through an episode with her in it is like very difficult sometimes. She's in all the episodes. (laughs) (laughs) it's focused on her. Not that she's in the episode. I know she's in the episode.
3: Right.
2: (laughs) And now I'm done.
1: (laughs) Well, that was beautiful. I also agree that it was one of the better Killer Frost episodes. Um, Not just because, uh, you know, Danielle made an attempt, but also because it was connected to things that have previously happened and it had, like, you know, had some, like, logical sense to it, which is something that Killer Frost episodes usually do not have. Um, I probably didn't, like, dislike it as much as you guys did, but I also was not as, like... Pro Kristen Kramer, I thought Kristen Kramer was really annoying, and clearly <laughs> didn't and didn't really seem to have the um, just like whatever didn't really seem to have like you know the facts right. I guess like and also also if she's going after Caitlyn, like I guess Caitlyn Killer Frost now. Killer Frost has never looked different enough from Caitlyn for that to not have been people's first thought. Like, wouldn't people have already gone to Caitlin Snow, who is very closely connected to the CCPD in the first place, if they're looking for Killer Frost? So that, I think, was just, like, a retroactive plot hole. Like, I was like, wait a second. I didn't know that we could even suggest this. Otherwise, the fact that she's
0: been, like, Frost (laughs) has been in Central City for, like, three years. Yeah. And no one has tried to, like, arrest her before now.
1: (laughs) Exactly. It's so strange. And it does bring up the question. I should, I'm supposed to go on Joyce. I'm sorry. Right? I'm not doing this right. Okay. I'm sorry. Back <laughs> to Joyce. And you claim you like this Joyce. episode more? <laughs> <Sorry. The> lies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I did like um, <laughs> Michelle's performance. Um, I like that she's having like a blast, right? Getting to do something more than dying. die. Die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So she was super cute as Force Nora. Um, it does seem like she's just overly eager. Um, and not <laughs> plotting something, or just deeply confused. Well, she actually she might be deeply confused. Like that might be a um, that might be a prediction. So, but whatever. She's not plotting something. Basically, she does really believe that whatever force stuff is happening, and she just wants to protect Barry and team up with him. Um, and it was nice that you know, once again, Iris was the one who helped him understand uh that you just have to adjust basically you know the relationship has changed you just need to like see each other in a new light and like work together and blah 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 and they were really cute yeah we also got like more west allen scenes than i expected i was like i guess we'll get one and then we'll be done we got like three so that was great um
3: <laughs> also that was funny
1: when
0: barry came yeah. in and saw like breakfast and he was
3: like, yeah he was like iris <laughs> <Isn't it
1: right?" laughs> It's yeah, like, who are was you? Funny. my wife and kidnapped again? Exactly, that was funny. I <laughs> love <damn> that. <laughs> and then when he was when when he found out that it was Nora who was cooking, was even less enthusiastic about it. He was like, "I don't want this food now. I don't want your Speed Force food." But anyway, that was um that was a very cute dynamic. Um, also, I do like um, how. <laughs> I love how Chester, like, worships the Speed Force and thinks of that, like, Nora. <laughs> Nora Force is just so amazing and awesome. He's just the biggest fanboy. It's super cute. Um, I like that killer. That Okay. Chill Blaine was kind of sexy. I enjoyed the Nelly moment.
0: I enjoyed I, I, I it. Was gonna it I was going to say that care. it did not bring me joy, but I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I was... Like, it was so cringy. <laughs> yeah. It was a little bit, but, like, I feel
2: like of all the love interests... Uh, yeah, yes. ever had exactly. she had the most chemistry with this exactly. guy.
1: Other than Ron- true. I would say, I say true. she at least looked in love with Ronnie. She did try with Ronnie, but since Ronnie and including Barry, uh, Danielle has never looked more attracted to another man on us uh, this show.
0: So <laughs> for us, the, the second, little moment where she was like speechless and like forgot how to talk, <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. And then after she leaves, she's like, Yes, like <laughs> I was so I was like, I was rooting for that. I was like, Yes, killer frost, you get your man. No, a different, a different kind of getting of the man. But yes, so so that was that was fun. That was like a fun moment. I was like, oh, is this going to be a new like recurring character? No, it doesn't matter. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, that part was enjoyable. Um, and you know, I like that Joe had more to do. That's good. He <laughs> he was like, I have thoughts about this, and I'm gonna tell you about them. Um and I also liked that Frost was like ready to, you know, give herself up to face the facts. I liked her little speech about like, you know, like I did do those things and I'm never gonna really change or grow or whatever, move on from it if I don't face it.
0: Yeah. Um, that was a good speech. Yes.
1: That was good. And it then once again, you know, explains why they randomly separated her from Caitlin so that she can go on trial while Caitlin is not on trial. <laughs> So that makes sense and is good. Um, yeah, I guess that is all. Maybe I didn't like the episode. But <laughs> what, do, what did not bring us joy?
0: <laughs> I will I will say that I didn't dislike the episode as much. I didn't have, like, the, the powerfully strong reaction that a lot of people had because I think a lot of people were upset that um, this was supposed to be, like, a Black Lives Matter episode, and I, I was just, like, confused on – why it was supposed to be a Black Lives Matter episode. I, I have a feeling that people might have been
1: conflating what Eric said about Joe's storyline, that Joe is going to get like a heavy storyline about that. Okay. Um, with this, I'm thinking this is that storyline. I'm not saying this isn't. I hope it's not.
0: He that said it's going to
2: come in the middle, more of the middle of the season. Right. I don't think this is the middle of the season yet. So hopefully we'll hope, we'll hope. that's Because we haven't even
0: got to like the, the. well, I guess this is the mid-season. No, it's not. mm no, yeah. So, yeah, hopefully that that will come later. Um, so, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll get to that whole thing in a minute, but like, I have to get this out of the way. Like, the heterogeneous strikes again. <laughs> and then Frost <laughs> was attracted to a man. It's like, yes. I, it, I mean, yeah, what we discussed about, you know, Danielle tried her best and was attracted. This is the most that she's appeared attracted to somebody. Um also just the fact that it was a man, you had you had the opportunity to like go further beyond, you know, make Mark merry or something. I don't know. <laughs> but you know, the heteroagenda strikes again. And he's a stalker, first of all, like Hi Joe. Um, he's he's like stalking Frost's entire life. Um, so that's creepy. And <laughs> It was funny, but I was also like cringing about the whole N- Nellie's hot in here. And I feel like the fight scene after watching painkiller fight scene the day before and how intricate and very complex um, that was to the fight scene between Frost and Chilblain. It just looks ridiculous. And <laughs> the staging of it, it's, it wasn't really well staged, I guess, either because probably because Danielle can't fight. Um, but it was very much like there were pauses where he'd be on the floor with his arm up, and then her foot would connect. It was like, here, strike my my arm right here, <laughs> and it's just like really, really obvious. Um, so that that fight just looked ridiculous. So I had to get that out of the way. But um, back to like the main thing, uh, just like the the whole Black Lives Matter, whether it was or what it wasn't aside, the audacity that Team Flash and this whole like she's one of ours narrative and thinking that they only need to protect her from the one crime that she didn't do and not help her own up to all the crimes that she did do. Or like saying, if we, if we find you not guilty for this one murder, then all the crimes that she did will magically disappear and she'll be free. Like, that's not how, that's not how the justice system works, Joe. (laughs) Um, Right. Like when she, when Kristen Kramer came in, that guy from Evil Labs wasn't dead yet, and she was still looking to arrest Frost. So, you know, there's there's a the plot gap of you know Frost has been here for three years. It's not like she's been on the run. So like, why is it taking this long for the justice to come around to arresting her? You might want to investigate that. But the fact is that these are still like open warrants for Frost's arrest, and that does not magically disappear just because. This one crime she just she actually didn't do. Um, okay, you have one less crime on your record, sure. But we still have to prosecute for these other ones. Um, I don't like that Allegra, Allegra gets a hard time in fandom. <laughs> and this episode did not help her at all. Um, I feel like she gets saddled with all like the Flash's rehabilitation projects instead of focusing on like her actual relationship with Iris and her actual job um she was saddled with wells first of all in that whole father-daughter creepy storyline and now she's saddled with you know frost in, in, in this storyline and being frost cheerleader and while I get that they I don't i do not mind that they have like a bond um you know when Allegra first showed up and there was that like connection that she had with Frost. I get that I don't mind that what I do mind is that and I also I also thought like the gym scene where she was like coaching Frost, which I thought was like ridiculous to see Danielle try and like pretend to like lift weights, but <laughs> I thought the scene was like fine. But what I had an issue with was Allegra was one of the more like ridiculous reactions to Frost going to jail and going so far as to like volunteer to engage in attack on the police just to keep Frost out of jail because, you know, like you checking my notes, um, prison is sucks. <laughs> and that's how, Like I went and it sucks. So you shouldn't go. Um, <laughs> that's like jail is not summer camp. It's not supposed to not suck, Allegra. um, You went to jail because she was framed. Kramer wants Frost to go to jail for things that she actually did. So y'all aren't even the same. Um, So I just feel like, you know, putting Allegra in that position was like, it made her just seem ridiculous. Um, And I also feel like if they were trying to go with a similar storyline of someone innocent being trained for something or and punished for something they didn't do. They should probably start with start there with the innocent part, have some someone that's actually innocent. Um, I feel like you can't do, like, Black Lightning um, with, like, Lopez having an obvious bias against Lightning and that that reporter later having an obvious agenda against Lightning uh, for something that Jennifer wasn't even doing. It's not that kind of situation at all, and you can't do that because, like you said, like, they love The Flash. So how do you love The Flash and have, like, a bias against the message? You can't do that. And so if they were going to do, like, you know, this with a meta, like, the only way to do it to make sense for Frost would have been if in season three, you know, she was held accountable then and maybe got off, like, she got an immunity deal for turning on Amunet and now she's free and then something shows up, um, Ice villain, and then she gets framed. Like, there, I feel like it would be, like, a better narrative story. It probably wouldn't, you know, fandom probably still wouldn't care just because personal feelings of the actress bleeding over into anything that she does on the show, good or bad. But I feel like narratively it would have been a better story if there was some accountability that happened earlier. Cause I just feel like all of this defensiveness, it just makes everybody look ridiculous to feel like, you know, she served justice to us. She said, she said sorry to us. So then she shouldn't face any justice to anybody else. It's just – it's it's really ridiculous kind of storyline, and we're going to continue it after a break, which is not motivating to watch.
1: Right, right. I definitely thought you meant, like, after these messages. So like, what? <laughs> we finally have a break? But yes, I agree with you.
2: Yeah. I, I agree with all that, and I – it's really interesting because, I mean – on one hand, I really don't think we would have gotten the storyline at all. Like, Frost would have continued not being held accountable for anything had Eric not been the showrunner, I think. Because we had yeah. time to do that three seasons ago, and they did not do it. And they never had an intention to do it. Um, and it's just funny because, you know, she never really apologized to the right people. But I agree that it does seem ridiculous how hard everyone went for her, like defended her, considering the fact that they did did know that she committed those crimes and she didn't really ever atone for anything. And I'm not saying like every, a lot of, you know, Team Flash in earlier seasons hasn't done shit. But with with Frost, I feel like everyone's been held accountable to some extent for their actions. Like they've been yelled at, they've been thrown under the bus by other members of the team too. But Frost hasn't gotten any of that at all whatsoever. Caitlin is like, let me hold your hand through all of this. I will support you emotionally, constantly, whatever you need. And that's not how things work. So it's just really strange that...
0: And Frost's crimes were against, like, actual people in the community and not against, like, other, like, Mm -hmm. super villains.
2: Yeah, in the community, against her own, you know, now friends or whatever. So it's... There's a lot. And those are... What they even mentioned in the episode, Those that's not even, like, half of what she she's done like they forgot to mention the meta-human trafficking she did with amunet and all this other stuff um too and that she's never been held accountable for so it's really interesting that the team is just like oh you're good now I'm like but on your standards right um and no one else knows that she's good sure she's fighting with you now but she doesn't she isn't often seen in public in general and you know like you don't really get to decide her how she's redeemed right like you don't get to decide because you like her and you're her friend now that she's suddenly like this good person no one has seen that growth except you guys right (laughs) and you are not like the and the fact that barry and joe specifically work for the police department makes it look even shadier because they do know the law they're also working outside the law I mean, there's a lot of questions about the justice system in general with the fact that, like, that moment when Joe's like, oh, this is not how the law works. I was like, but isn't it, Joe? (laughs) Isn't it how that works? (laughs) So it's just it's I felt specifically for Joe throwing him under the bus to defend Frost was a really frustrating choice. Yeah
0: because it's like... Especially because he doesn't know his own daughter. (laughs) He doesn't know his own
2: daughter. He's, He's gotten mad and held people to higher standards and more accountable for, like, smaller things than Frost has committed. So, it's just frustrating that she gets off... Like, I remember... Was it in season two? Um... I don't know, Caitlyn was like super mean to Jax, for example, and he yeah. hadn't even done anything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, oh, this suddenly this white woman is going to be held accountable for crime. She did actually commit and everyone is just standing up to defend her. And yeah, Allegro's was specifically ridiculous because it's like you, you're friends with her, but you barely know you what here. happened before you just, yeah, you just got here. <laughs> and I think it's just, it's just a bad look overall, especially like this episode coming at the time that it's coming and it's like i don't know that you thought all this through like i'm happy that she's being held accountable i just think that it could have been handled a lot differently even even with regards to you know frost going after Chilblain on her own it's like the entire episode i was like where is caitlin caitlin should have been in the allegra's position
0: arrested Maybe. yeah
2: well yes <laughs> but not for the entire episode like beforehand yeah, she was true. just chilling at yeah. her
0: house i was like where were you but then, but then Allegra's like you have taking to care Daniel of like your... twice on the same screen true, but like allegra
2: sitting here at the gym taking care of frost you should have been babysitting true. your twin i'm sorry <laughs> so it just seems weird that it doesn't seem like she fully cared that people the police were after her so i don't know the whole storyline is just has so many extra holes in it than the flash usually has and it's just a weird thing to bring in like the time to finally question the justice system is in this episode and i thought that was it, it could have been handled a lot better.
1: I definitely agree with that. I think it could have been handled a lot better. Um and i do think that it was kind of dumb that everyone was just like gathering around like no, we will not allow this to happen. This is sacrilege because again, like i was saying accidentally in my joy parts, it brings up so many questions i have about how they've handled um the the justice before first off we already know how they wrote a trial back in season four and it was horrible i never want to see it again but now we have to do it again with frost and it's still cecile who's a lawyer and we already know that cecile does not know how to lawyer anything or rather (laughs) the writers do not know how to make her lawyer anything that's not her fault but still (laughs) um and second off it's like these are people who have kept like metahumans in their fucking pipeline Right, for however many mm-hmm. years, and then we were like putting them in Iron Iron Heights for a while, and then I don't know what happens to metahumans now. I'm like, is everyone okay? Where are the metahumans going? Why aren't the police actually doing anything? What does the you know f- Flash do after he captures people or after he stops people? I don't know. Sometimes he just lets them go, like with like with um, mechanic and with Mirror mi- Mistress. Like it's fine. Go to your mirror world. Like, what? Um, So I guess I understand that they're like, well, you know, we've just decided that Frost is one of the special ones that we also don't don't wish to um, send to jail. But given what the Flash has done with other villains, aiding and abetting is definitely something that you could lobby against him, legally Mm -hmm. speaking. So I don't know, it just makes them all look stupid, and Joe obviously does not know what Cops do not. That I think Kristen Kramer is a good cop either. I don't.
0: um <laughs> I just like, like it's just really interesting because he's, he gets, like when he's like, this is not how the justice system works, and she gave him all of like the other background information. It's like, well, right. just no one just told you <laughs> what yeah. we were doing <laughs> for good reason. Yeah, it apparently. seems
1: like it seems like Central City thought that they were like a cosmic valley
0: or like free,
1: like um, Freeland where no one really bothers them or cares about what they're doing, and so they were like, we made a deal with Frost that she can just chill here. And it will be fine. Uh, we just didn't inform the government outside of Central City. I don't right. know. I didn't realize that was going to be a problem. So that's that's just kind of like, okay, well, this is not how we do things in our little town. Um, but anyway. So that part was dumb. Um, I'm definitely not looking forward to a drawn-out storyline over it. But uh, that didn't really, like... I think I think I was, like, slightly uncomfortable. Maybe because I remembered Eric's interview. And then also I just... was, like, just, like, watching a video of one of the, like, fucking ten murders that happened recently. Um, And then then we got back to the episode, and it was, like, the cops, like, surrounding them and, like, telling Caitlin or Frost to come out or whatever. And then we were, like, this is an uncomfortable parallel. Um, I don't know if it was – I don't know that it was intentional. I feel like it was not the right time to do it. Of course, they didn't necessarily know that it was going to not be the right time. But if you're going to do a storyline about police or detectives or government agencies overstepping their bounds, or like having the wrong man, if you will, having Caitlin slash Killer Frost at the center of that, and obviously the way that it's written, we are supposed to agree with Team Flash and agree that Kristen Kramer is no good, very bad, and you know, poor Frost. Like even the synopsis that we read for the next episode is unjust, like, unjust punishment. So we're supposed to agree that the the law is wrong on this side, in, in this instance. And I think that that's really uncomfortable. And I think that that's like reading the room, not reading the room. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Hopefully that's not, you know, hopefully it won't go any any further than that. And hopefully people have no reason to be as upset as they are. Hopefully we will, that will be cleared up. But right now I understand why people are. Um Yeah. You know so, what it
2: reminds me of when, like, mm-hmm. that season seven of Arrow, when they were trying to like protect Roy, even though he had actually, uh, yes, yes,
1: committed. <laughs> it's
2: just like that,
3: it's just like that. <laughs> That's <laughs> exactly like, what it's you can't like.
2: Decide that he shouldn't go to jail because you're his friend, <laughs> <laughs> right? And I mean, like, Frost is just gonna, you know, eventually she's just gonna get a slap on that wrist and she's gonna be let go, I, like I this. Feel
0: like eventually, if it was something like, um, if her crimes are commuted for. Community service served, just been like protecting the city. Fine,
1: yeah, right, right. But they had to actually just go through that and actually give us that.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: agreed. So yeah, that's my that's my feeling on that. um Outside of that, I wish that Chilblain had not been a villain. I wish that he had been a nice boy, <laughs> a nice sexy uh, boy, a nice
3: sexy <laughs> boy. Frost, all I want
1: for her. Um, well, I mean, although I do agree with you that Frost is clearly a lesbian, and this was uh lies and fallacies yes <laughs> but since they did it since we cannot change it now um i i would like her to you know i would like her sexy boy to
2: it's kind of sad i was like i feel bad i, because, I feel like, like there's still vibes there. bad... even though
0: like even though like he framed her for a murder i feel like feel yeah. like there's vibes that it could yeah. work somehow. right
1: i mean <laughs> I, I agree her. they could definitely be still like uh you know enemies to lovers type thing except he did do the murder yeah, like, if so he had framed her for the murder and hadn't done the murder, then I'd be all over it. But I'm like, well, he is literally a murderer. And he was very, like, psychopathic about his lack of he's interest. so fact, Yeah, that he did the murder. So, I don't know. I don't know, guys.
3: I'm rooting I for want...
1: Ross to have some sort of love life.
2: I'm like, Caitlin <laughs> exactly. has such, such bad luck. I'm like, yeah. Ross. I'm rooting for you to exactly. change,
1: change this. Change the luck, exactly. <laughs> um, outside of that, you know. While I did like the West Ones we got, I would have liked, you know, I, like you guys said, I, Allegra's burdening, has the burden of carrying everyone else. Iris has the burden that is really a blessing of carrying Barry. And mm-hmm. so she didn't get to do any. It's been two episodes now since she said, I had to do something bigger than write this article. I don't know what that was. She <laughs> hasn't done it. It hasn't happened. so uh, I'm very annoyed by that. Um, and yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I don't like the big thing was that I feel like the way that they, while this is a better attempt at a frost episode, it's still like the premise of frost is flawed. So everything, mm-hmm. the, the fruit of the rotten tree remains <laughs> problematic. Um. So do we have feedback?
0: We do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> uh, we have Anita sent feedback and then she revised her feedback. She's like, I I, I cooled my head off, so I'm gonna read her revised email. She says, hey, ladies, I'm going to preemptively agree with your recap and probably likes and dislikes because I think you are some of the smartest recappers out there. And I love Aww. that you respect all the women of the show, even even those I cannot stand. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of which, this episode was about pain, but none of it had to do with growth. And this Killer Frost Caitlin retconning episode has to be the most egregious yet. Killer Frost Caitlin has a massive problem baked into the DNA of the show because of Danielle Panabaker's entitled unwillingness to do an acting job, respect her black leading lady, and make a detestable character interesting, even if not universally likable. There was so much talk about Killer Frost has changed and grown and yet, where was the scene where she was sat Iris and Cecile down to apologize from the bottom of her heart and go out of her way and to jail to make amends? If this was a fantasy show and if we're all supposed to get over it, then why can't Danielle, uh, why ask Danielle Ask why Danielle cannot bring herself to be an actress and portray a white woman humbling herself to not one but two excellent black slash biracial women for a fantasy show. She has a lot to learn from the likes of Kim Cattrall, Sarah Jessica Parker, who disliked each other all the way to get good checks. Much of the viewership, this is a revised version, y'all. <laughs> much, <laughs> screen. much of the viewership has been so inspired by Candace speaking up about black women specifically and being seen and not treated With contempt, we are exhausted by the endless care that we are expected to extend to the Amber Geigers, the Amy Coopers, the Kim Potters of the world. I still see you, my other woman of color. I just need to talk about the nuclear family for a second. To come home and watch a parade of white women, murder, kidnap, imprison, traffic, torture, and dismember people is a lot. Uh, One like, Iris gave no thought to a redemption expose for Caitlin Frost in The Citizen. And this was a couple of weeks after she had personally dropped in on the police chief himself for a story meant to help a security guard get his job back and Allegra didn't write one either I hope it sticks so that was revised I feel like there's other stuff in her like original one
2: um Iris is like y'all are defending her (laughs) not I no way (laughs) no
0: um she didn't she's she and the original one she had one like uh the West Island Hearts Heart half like the bartender taking off a shirt was Alexa dim the lights (laughs) 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 oh my god my actual Alexa (laughs) (laughs) talked Alexa play on here (laughs) (laughs) oh god no I won't say that Um, Paulina um, let's see Paulina says uh, she opens up with a gif what in the white nonsense is this uh, this episode was a visual representation of that scene in the office where Michael Scott is like, I am the victim of a hate crime. And Stanley <laughs> goes, that is not what a hate crime is. Michael is team Flash and Frost until Frost learns accountability in the last few minutes of the episode. And Stanley is me, obviously. Chill needs to go. The second he showed up, he was on my sc- screen for a second too long. Somebody get this white man out because nobody wants me here. There's nothing sexy about that Frost Chillblain fight. Blah. There's nothing sexy about that Frost chillblain fight. I was gagging the whole time. This isn't Mr. and Mrs. Smith for sure. Kristen Kramer defenders rail at <laughs> everybody was wondering why Kristen Kramer wants to take in a white woman who has committed violent crimes was such a joke. Like, Hmm. I wonder why she wants to arrest Frost. Could it be because she was a violent criminal who in their right mind thought this storyline was one where we suddenly question law enforcement on the show. White woman is being held to account. Criminal justice is a failure. Law enforcement is a failure. The show had no problem completely excusing Pep and her step Blondie, other words Patty Spivitt, for committing repeated acts of police brutality. Police force was not corrupt then, apparently. Also, the criminal justice system was also not considered corrupt when Mina Chayton was being branded a criminal for repossessing and restoring artifacts stolen from the Native American tribe. We got some white mm. saver, yeah, we got some ro- white saver Ralph need to boot with that storyline. Um, lots of stuff. This being Joe's epiphany moment that law enforcement is not supposed to work this way because a white woman's being held accountable. The levels of offensiveness in using a white woman being held accountable for criminal activity by law enforcement to, the, to comment on the anti-blackness of law enforcement and the injustices committed against black people through law enforcement and the criminal justice system are, well, highly offensive. Who came up with this racist nonsense? Ho- hopefully this this was not the, the intent and that an actual storyline will be coming on later, but... Anywho, um, we're we working with what we got. She also says that Speed Force Nora was kind of weird, honestly. She's a ripoff of Janet from The Good Place. and I'm not sure how I feel about her. I like the ripoff. <laughs> but this storyline is giving us some nice West Allen moments. The West Allen conversation by the windowsill is really sweet. I love seeing how supportive and intuitive Iris is when it comes to Barry. And I also love hearing about Iris' anecdote about her college years. Um, things that should happen, Frost Goes to Jail. She goes straight to jail. No, she cannot collect $200 upon passing go. She must go straight to jail. Things that will happen, people crying about how amazing Frost is, how much she's changed, and what a hero she is, miss you with that bullshit. So Paulina was not happy at all. Um, and then finally, no, Sonia as well. Sonia and Suara. Um, so Sonia says, do, 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 do. Not sure how I feel about this episode. Like, I love the stuff with Barry and Wes Allen in this episode, but downright hated the Frost storyline, which is usually how I feel about Caitlin or Frost-centric episodes, so it's good to see nothing has changed. Honestly, the part of the season, the part of the reason that this episode anno- annoyed me so much was that it literally should have happened way back in season four when the team just forgave Frost so quickly without her having to pay for her actions, but that's needed to nor there. Um, love seeing Chester as a CCPD. Oh, I forgot to put that in my likes. Um, love seeing Chester as a CCPD consultant and he was so adorably nervous around Kramer. I also love that the subtle Brooklyn Nine-Nine reference with Frost calling Chester Peralta because I love BB-B-Nine-Nine. Um, so Tati, that's your, she. she's like, if y'all want to do a, a BB-Nine, like a Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I would
1: love to do a Brooklyn Nine-Nine
0: episode. So that's, did you catch that I,
1: yeah. Peralta reference? I, yes. But only because someone told me on the Twitter on, on Tumblr. <laughs> really? someone told I heard it. I'm I laughed Google. so much. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I think it was. I think I just didn't hear it because we, you know, I was well, I was yeah. watch, watching in a different place, and I usually have my captions so I can understand what's being said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just missed it. But then I went back and saw it. And I was like, "LOL." Well, yeah, I did. I did see it. Um, in
0: you know, in retrospect or whatever. Um, the chill Blaine. She didn't like him. I uh, thought he was annoying, and he looked so familiar. She looked him up, and he played Hodge, the guy from Shadowhunters, who sold them all out. No wonder he plays a douchebag in the show to you. <laughs> um, finally, Frost decided to pay for her actions, and it only took three effing years. Also, finally, someone talks about the fact that Frost and Caitlin look alike, and it's not like Frost wears a mask, so it was only a matter of time before someone was like, "Hey, you look like Killer Frost." Um, looks like next episode is even more Frost-centric. But hopefully there's some more Wes Allen stuff to get me through it. So, uh, and then finally, Swara says, Oh, the Flash, you are doing so well. <laughs> now, listen, y'all know I love a good redemption, keyword being good. I just don't care about ripoff Elsa. It is good that the show, she shows remorse and turns herself in at the end of the episode. But this character has been so annoying and poorly written and acted and it gets so much overblown. Sympathy from the team um side note, where the hell was Cisco this episode? Like the one who would actually care the most about Caitlin and Frost. Um Chilbrain is a lousy villain in both powers and um, and in name. And many have noted that this online, but the show actually but the show takes a white woman who has actually committed real harms to prove that there's something wrong with the police. It was so obtuse to see unfold. Anyway, I really love Barry and Arison's Speed Force scenes. They made their way through the awkward yet emotional situation. Felt like there's real nuance and care. And taken to how weirded out Barry was. And Iris noting it. um, That her taking this form was. Really ultimately a gift to Barry. Um, The scenes were all. Incredibly emotional and well done. And I'm excited to see where they go from there. So any. Complete feedback info. Will be on Tumblr obviously. But that's it. Blessings. Now do we have. um, Predictions. I don't have any new ones. Oh, yeah. I just like, you know, with Frost, I think that the whole unjust punishment kind of threw me off because that it feels like she will actually like go to jail or there's a threat that she's been sentenced to jail. But realistically, I feel like it'll probably end up in her sentence being commuted or something time served for yeah. saving the world.
1: Yeah. For a second, I will not lie. I thought that they were literally going to send Frost off to jail and we're just not going to see it. I th- deluded myself, thinking this was indeed, that that was the trial. Now we are done. But no, no. not the case. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I do think that they'll just be like, okay, time sir, Bye-bye. Yeah, the
2: community service will be cleaning Star Labs. But <laughs> um, I don't know if I dreamed this up or
0: what if, I read the fraud- I want- what if, like, the Flash has to, like, take the stand as, like, a credit, like, a character witness? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that would be
2: so awkward. I honestly hope that they keep it like Cecile Frost and that's it. Like we don't need Cecile to like Frost and no one else involved in this. It's just extra. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? I feel like somebody dropped this in our um, inbox on Tumblr, but they were saying something about the the psych dream of Frost coming true because the guy's name was Mark chill blaine's name is oh, mark that, and yeah, i'm
0: like on, on twitter oh yeah. was it what, on twitter or it was, tumblr
2: it was on i twitter. think like it was tumblr no it was on twitter Somebody, yeah. she
0: tagged me oh. um she may have also sent it to us on tumblr but um i, I remember I read it, but anyway,
2: yeah so it was and really I have to go back and watch that scene that scene
0: yeah because i did I, I didn't catch that mark was said in her dream but it was Libby on Twitter. She said, Chillblains name is Mark. Another nod to the psych hallucinations that were a premonition. Take us home, Tati. With um, <laughs> the <a> Supergirl?
1: Home <laughs> of <Yeah>. Supergirl? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> a phantom escapee attacks Silas and attempts to overtake him. And Magan is injured while fighting it. In the Phantom Zone, Zor-El is kidnapped by some Kryptonian criminals led by Scar and is sent to be sacrificed to the phantoms. Kara is injured, but she is rescued by a depowered, fifth-dimensional being named Nixley. I don't know the rest of her name. She reveals that she was a princess sent to the Phantom Zone by her father because he didn't want her to take the the throne. And also, she knows Mr. Mixispitalik. Uh, Brainy uh, mentions the history of the Phantoms and the real name of Zulian Maltarians. Meanwhile... Lena locks Lex out of all their systems and donates all his funds to a children's hospital with Brandy's help. In retaliation, uh, Lex has Otis attack the hospital and blames it on faulty wiring from the project that Lena oversaw. This causes Lena to just give up and tell Lex she's leaving Luther Court because she doesn't want to play games anymore, which makes him very, very upset, meaning that actually Lena probably won. Meanwhile... Alex is helped to cope with her sister's disappearance by Kelly once again and witnesses Megan Megan and John having a like a fight that leads to Megan's injury which then causes John to stop being an asshole soldier and start being a man with feelings and that makes Alex want to be a woman with feelings and she's like thank you Kelly for continuing to sit here and listen to me about my feelings. And say one line <laughs> about your feelings, which will be ignored. Meanwhile, Kara, Kara learns that wounds don't heal normally in the Phantom Zone. But Nixley heals her when Kara helps her regain her magic with the power of belief. And She was like, Kara believes in me, so I will be able to use my magic. They rescue Zarel, and then they decide to make an escape plan using Nixley's magic. Because Allura built the Phantom Zone, so they have a magical way out the end what brought joy
2: oh it's my turn
1: <laughs> um i
2: this it, episode was like very emotional brainy and Lena's scene i'm gonna start with that because i was just like so so affected i was like oh my god brainy i need to hug you <laughs> and i love that you know it was them together talking about you know everything that's been going on with Lex, and then Brainy and uh, Lena missing Kara, and all the that stuff that's been happening and unraveling. And I thought it was just a really great moment because they've been, they've had this interesting friendship for a while now, and I like their pairing together and the fact that like all of this stuff has been affecting like Brainy specifically, the fact that he got it out. You know, between hating Lex and. All the stuff that happened last season really felt like he was finally able to let it all out in a, you know, just get it off his chest. And I love that for him. Um, and then just in general, Lena and Brainy bonding over Lex with the fact that like screwing with him over his money. I was like, ha, huh, Lex now knows what it's like to have $10 in your bank account. <laughs> you are now poor. <laughs> um, and just like his face and his ridiculous reactions um, were of course, Lex-ish. And he's just insane. But the fact that they got one over him, even though he came back with something more vicious, was really great. You know, I was happy for them. Um, and just the fact that, like, Lena decided to take a step back from Luther Core And she's just like, I hate you. I still do. But I love myself more. And I thought that was just a really powerful message because Lena has been so kind of involved with her family for so long all the shenanigans all the drama all the back and forth and the competition like we saw this episode like who's gonna try to one up the other and you know all this other stuff and she's like I don't have time for this anymore so you can do whatever you want I'm moving past this and I'm gonna go do something on my own and it was just like a really great mature moment for her and something that Lex still has not <laughs> like fully comprehended because he's still being petty um so I was really proud of her for doing that and saying that and then like Jean and Magan, I can't remember exactly what they said their last conversation, but it was beautiful to me and the fact <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what they said, but it was beautiful. <laughs> yes, because like everything that they like the whole body language and the things that they say to each other is just with such Martian intensity. You're like, Yes, I love this. I love this for you. And I love that, you know, I don't know. Do they even like solidify that they're together? Yet, or is that not? Yeah, I don't know what's I think going that, on there.
0: That was like,
2: yeah. So I was just like really happy for them and the fact that, like, Jean's like, yes, emotions are good. And I got so caught up with feeling, needing to be like a soldier, but no, this is what grounds me. And I mean, it had to be gone almost being taken over by a phantom for him to realize this, but I'm glad that he came to this conclusion. <laughs> um, I really did like Alex and Kelly's scene, even though parts of it will be in the dislike section, but the fact that you know, Alex has been trying so hard to get car out of the phantom zone. And she was struggling with John this episode because they were not on the same page regarding what to do. And, you know, everything's just been sort of hard and her having to contend with the fact that, you know, maybe she has to live a life without her sister anymore was really heartbreaking. Um, And so I'm so glad that she got to kind of talk it out with John and then later Kelly. And it was really cute that I, at first I, I momentarily like looked down at my phone. I was like, "Wait, did she ask her to marry her?" There's no ring. And then like, "Oh, it's just that she moved. She asked her to move in with her." I thought
0: they were living together already. So I, was like, I thought okay. so too. Was, yeah,
2: yeah. A lot of the relationship is having happening yeah. off screen, and that's not cool. But the fact that I guess they made it official here was a nice moment for them. Um, what else? What else? I liked Car. I'm enjoying Car in the Phantom Zone because I feel like a lot of the time. You know, they they do have a great supporting cast, but she's overshadowed a lot. And I feel like they tend to give emotional stories or personal stories to Alex and not Kara. And that's always been sort of an issue. And now that she's in the Phantom Zone, she sort of gets to shine on her own. And that's been nice. Um, And, like, of course, the power of Kara believing in someone, her eternal optimism, you know, telling Nixley that – and especially, like, they're bonding over – Mixie's like oh yeah i remember that guy he was he was wild it's like yes yes he was (laughs) that was a great nod to specifically the 100th episode um and the fact that like it's hard to like new characters right off the bat sometimes especially in like a final season of the show but i think that the actress who plays Mixie did a really good job sort of establishing who she was her backstory and you know how she was feeling about all of it and then just befriending Kara. and i think that she came in strong right out of the gate, um. So she was very likable, and I like the fact that she did bond with Carl. Like Carl is just making new friends in the Phantom Zone, and, the, and this is great. And the, you know, sort of figuring things out on her own without also rely having to rely on like the super team to come in and rescue her. So you know. Father-daughter building, new friendships, and then, like, scary phantoms showing up to make for, like, an interesting and, like, solid sort of villain of the week slash emotional therapy session for the super team. And I, that was really enjoyable.
0: Yeah, everyone was having, like, therapy sessions during this episode. Um, I I think I felt, like, the most for Brainy and Lena. Um the spiral squad, <laughs> and um it was just kind of um I love them being like petty with Lex's money um and just kind of like you know going at it and you know locking him out of his company and and funneling his money places like yeah, that'll teach him <laughs> so i, I like that they are like a united front there, a little duo, um but I also like that um you know when things go too far when Lex does take it too far. And like Lena is just like, I wish I could kill him. And then like, she's just saying it like um, hyperbolically. is like, yes. And he's like going in through all these ways of how they can kill Lex. And like, what is like a hundred ways to skin a cat. It's, like hundred ways to skin Lex Luthor and like get away with it. <laughs> how to get away with murdering Lex Luthor. Um, but it was like, <laughs> those plans <laughs> were very intense. <laughs> it, yes. Like, he had thought about this a lot and his like, meltdown spiral over it um was you know great and then like the the gut wrenching like how much he misses Kara. um I was like I'll collect my crumb thank you.
2: Yeah it was so that moment. I was like, wait, what?
0: <laughs> if yeah and conveniently Nia is not in this episode which was not a joy. But um yeah I do like that just like the emotion um in that moment between him and Lena talking about how much they hate Lex and how much they miss Kara. Uh, I like that we get a full circle moment where Lena kind of reverses course on her whole tiny little boxes theory about if we just like put our emotions in tiny little boxes and they'll go away. And in and, and this sense, she's like, we cannot do that. We have to let them out and <laughs> let it pass and then, you know, let it, let it be on its way. You have to acknowledge your emotions. So I like that they were both able to kind of do that. It allowed them to, Share and let go of feelings that have been like eating them up inside, and I like that that leads Lena to completing the ultimate power move against Lex, which is apathy, like just not caring about him at all. Um, Her stepping away from LuthorCorp and loving herself and her sanity more than fighting and engaging in Lex in his power struggle, I thought was really beautiful moment for her. Um, It's it's you know so much for her to be able to do that because LuthorCorp she has been building it. Uh, everything good about LutherCorp is 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 because of Lena. And to be like, I will give that up if it means that I don't have to deal with you. It's a pretty powerful moment. And he's just like he's like a fire, and she's removing all of the oxygen and leaving him like trapped in a room. So she's like like smothering him out. Um, it's just beautiful. I love it. Um, I liked Alex and Kelly's second scene when Alex is apologizing with flowers and you know and thanking Kelly for um being her rock because um we we get little snippets of Kelly because she mentions how, you know, when they were fighting the Phantoms with McGon, she she did her best to to keep the Phantom at bay and which she she managed to do because afterwards Dom was able to to knock him back. But she did get injured and she's like, Well I don't really feel like I'm helping here. She lost her job. Um the you know so there's a lot of insecurity with wh- where does she fit in kind of thing. So I like that in that moment that Alex was able to be like, you do so much for me and you're my rock and I, I want you to wake up to you every day. I thought that was a really beautiful moment between them um, and with um, John and McGon and the whole idea of like, because they had mind melded, he was going to be able to save her. I thought was nice um in the phantom zone i don't when i cuz i had to watch this twice cuz the first one i wasn't really paying attention and i don't know <laughs> uh i feel like all like the flash like uses all of my brain cells and then i'm just like uh <laughs> <laughs> um, so i had to rewatch supergirl and i don't know that i trust her i feel like on the second watch she's not really hiding anything and that she could be trusted but uh with kara and and Kind of, you know, they they both were telling the truth about their stories and how she got her magic back through cars encouragement, taking off the whole mental and emotional shackles her father put on her. I thought that felt kind of like a, a theme for the episode of everyone that was having to take off these mental and emotional shackles they had put themselves in. So I thought that was good. I I really liked Mixie or
1: not Mixie whatever Nixie nix Um, I and I liked both. I liked her performance. And I agree that at first I was like, can I trust this person? But once her powers came back through Kara's optimism, I was like, okay, she's got to be good because they're not going to reverse. But clearly the plot is like, you have to believe in the goodness, you know, and like reach to the light like Kara did. We've all got to persevere like Kara. So it would be a bad move for, you know, the person that, you know, Kara is persevering in to be bad. (laughs) <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and I like the parallel, or not even really parallel, like, whatever, reverse parallel, contrast, of how Kara's dad sent her away in order to save her, and then he got trapped in the Phantom Zone, whereas oh, yeah. Nixie's dad sent her to the Phantom Zone. <laughs> um, so, so that was, like, sad for her, but now she can find a new dad in Jason Bear. Um, so, yeah, that whole plot line was really um, interesting. And I am glad that Kara is getting to shine on her own as her own hero without the team for a while. Because even though I think that Kara has never had the struggle of, like, I'm kind of dumb and I need my team the way that Barry has, it does often feel like other storylines take precedence over her personal storylines. So it's good to see her, you know, getting to bond a little bit with her dad, getting to use her innate goodness in a place where she doesn't have her powers, but she still has what makes her a hero. I think that's great. On, on the other hand, um, it's also great to see how her absence is affecting all these different pockets of people that care about her and how it's just kind of feels like the sun has gone out or whatever, you know? So, like, John is struggling, and then it takes um, Magan getting injured in order for him to sort of, like, wake up and, like, see that there is something else he needs to be doing. So I liked, I liked their plot line. And I liked that at the end... <laughs> <laughs> the mind meld was useful because <laughs> it is what allowed him to save her, and then you know he they both basically apologize and were like oh no we are already a team this is a beautiful we are one union yeah joy and then that um inspired uh Alex as well I did love the Alex side of the Alex and Kelly like conversation I liked that Alex, Alex wanted her to move in and that's just like kind of how she is right when things uh, get tough first if she shuts if she she doesn't like give up in despair she's gonna like try to like accelerate to the next thing which is Mm -hmm. what she did with Maggie too and it just so happened that for Maggie Maggie's not the right person for that right so Maggie backed Mm -hmm. out whatever backed out a lot second and had to go but Kelly is right so Kelly like sees Alex where she is and is like happy with that progression so that was nice I feel like it's kind of like okay Alex does this but in this case it's a good thing (laughs) Um, and then, like you guys already said, Brainy and Lena was really, uh, powerful and interesting because you wouldn't expect Brainy to have those feelings, but now that he has, like, turned off his inhibitor or whatever, you know, he is feeling all his feelings and he doesn't know what to do with those feelings, so it was really interesting to see that explode in his, you know, like, breakdown about wanting to murder Lex Luthor, which of course is, like, a feeling that people have experienced I'm sure that sometimes you're so infuriated like you know and enraged that you don't know what to do with yourself but usually people you know never voice that <laughs> so it was quite shocking and I'm glad that Lena was there as someone who has literally felt and done that uh, to explain to him why it is not okay um, and why he has to feel his feelings and then let him let them go that was really nice also, I did like the back and forth with Lex until he went too far and he set fire to the third bar, which is the hospital. That was horrible, but I did like that it caused Lena to say, hey, you know what? I'm done with this childish game. I'm going to live my own life and love myself. You go, Lena. I hope you stick to that. But also, I did love the petty side of me love that it made Lex so upset. He's like, no,
3: what am I supposed to do with
1: myself if Lena is not fighting with me? So that was great. Um, Yeah, overall, very good episode. What did not bring joy? No, Nia.
2: I feel like she had such a great breakthrough last week, in last week's episode about her training and trying to get Kara out. And this week, it's like we're sending her to a journalism thing over the weekend. I'm like, what?
3: Like, they still
0: could have sound? done that like emotional it's just, it's just like a therapy session. They could have done that with like Mia and William. That would have been like a yeah, similar dynamic.
2: They could have. And it, and it's just a bizarre choice, especially since this episode's supposed to take place like a day later from last week's episode. So I'm just like, she just bailed very quickly. And I I just don't like the excuses that they keep coming up with. Just even like on the flash with Cisco. It's like, oh well, he's off somewhere. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Um Especially since this is the last season, we just want more of Nia. And I feel like she – they gave her some good meaty material occasionally, like in the first season she was here. We got to meet her family. We got to, like, explore her powers. And now just as we're starting to explore her powers again and she's finally, like, on a good, you know, solid ground with Brainy – we're back to her just disappearing for an episode and who knows, like, what's going to happen in the future. Like, how many more episodes is she going to miss? So it was just very noticeable that she was not around here, um, especially when there's just, like, so much going on and she could be a part of that. So that sucks. And then with regards to Kelly, it's just she hasn't gone anything at all this season so far on the personal side. Like we keep hearing about her trying to become guardian or like, you know, she's talking about losing her. She's like, now that obsidian's done. And I'm like, wait, so we were wondering Mm -hmm. what happened to her job. And it's Mm -hmm. like, now you're telling us what happened to your job, but we didn't get what that feeling is supposed to be like because she's also affected. Like maybe she's not as close with Cara as Alex and everybody else is, but she's still a person who's in a relationship with Alex. And she's also a person who's a person and <laughs> needs to discuss these things with her girlfriend. So it's just an a strange way to have her in the narrative, constantly, you know, being a therapist for other people. And then when she says something, it's kind of like, oh well, that's happening. And it's the same thing they did last week with her, you know, having that conversation with Alex about Kara being supergirl off screen as well. So it just mm-hmm. makes everything that's happening to her with her just feel less impactful because everything's not being shown to us specifically. So it's just frustrating because she's not really getting much to do and I'm kind of over it already.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. No joy is no Nia. Like I was kind of sad that she wasn't in the episode. Um, joy was that Lena and Braininger being petty. No joy that Lex went the- – as far as burning like at children's hospital and blaming Lena for the faulty wiring and retaliation yeah. that's just like that's shitty even for Lex um, this is probably an unpopular opinion in larger fandom maybe but i just thought that Alex's you know that first Alex Kelly conversation and she's just like oh i can't breathe in the world without Kara and watching Kara's like eulogy it just felt a little dramatic <laughs> to me <laughs> And I feel like I feel like this not just in this conversation, but just in, in the premiere as well. It was like there's some times that the writers are trying to toe the line between like the worship of Supergirl and versus remembering Kara as a person, and it's just like, I mean, I get like what Supergirl as the symbol means, but all these people know Kara the person, and so it just it, it there's some kind of like I don't know. I get what they want, you know, all of these ideals of Supergirl, because that's, you know, that's the, the message you want to relate to the audience. But I don't know. I just felt it felt like it disconnected them a little bit from, make Kara like less of a real person to them, even though they all know and have connections to Kara. Um, there's like distance there. And then I feel like in this.
2: I definitely treat her that way in the narrative too. Yeah. And
3: I,
0: and I feel like um, in this particular instance, like, Alex is just being, she's, like, doing, like, the most. And, like you said, and it also goes back to, like, Kelly having to be, like, the sounding board for all of this, even though Kelly has a lot going on. So it's just, like, in balance there. But, like, Alex is like, I'm not going to be able to live or breathe without Kara. I'm like, first of all, she's not dead. You know, (laughs) she's in the Phantom Zone. And she's not a child. She's a grown woman. And she's Supergirl. So if you believe in Supergirl and, you know, believe in Kara's power and her strength, Then, you know, why? And then to have like that kind of like reaction, it just feels, it feels, you know, I understand like sisterly love and, and, you know, obviously people kind of grieve and and process in in different ways. Um, But I just, you know, I think with that and then the lack of focus on Kelly, it's just like, you just seem very, it seems very one-sided. So I, I kind of wasn't feeling that conversation. Um, I think she should give Kara a little bit more credit that Kara can can handle herself until they're able to get her out.
1: I definitely thought they were being uh, way too dramatic about Kara being in the uh, Phantom Zone and acting like it, it was all over. Their one attempt had failed, and that was just the end of it. And I was like, clearly the Phantoms got out of the Phantom Zone, so there is a way out of the Phantom Zone. <laughs> so Why don't you guys just relax and figure it out. Like there was, I don't remember who it was. It was like, well, we're going to find another way. And, 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 and Alex was like, no, it's over now. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess. But in terms of the Alex and Kelly scene, I didn't, I did not like that Kelly just randomly said in a one-off line, like, yes, when I lost, you know, when Obsidian happened, when everything happened in Obsidian, you know, I fell down and then I had to pick myself back up and it was like, we did not see that at all. And also Alex had no reaction to that. She did not care at all. Not to mention she did not care that Kelly had like her fucking bandaged hands looking like she can't even touch her. And Kelly did not. <laughs> and Alex did not even bother to be like, are you okay? Do you need anything? Can I get you something? Nope. Nope. She was like, listen, I have feelings right now and I think that we need to talk about them. So whatever. I know that's not really like Alex. Alex didn't do that. It's just the writers constantly disregarding Kelly or just like not really seeing her as like a full person, I guess, but it really bothers me. Um, Outside of that, I do agree that it sucks that we didn't get Nia. I don't understand why we wouldn't get Nia. I would love to see Nia and William. I assume they're together on some. They're both
0: on the retreat. Yeah. Exactly, the on the journal, retreat or whatever. On the
1: retreat. Yeah. And maybe they would find something out there. You know, I don't know. Just like a scene or two that be fine. But yeah. Oh, well. I just want, you know, I just want the cold to collect her checks. But that's okay. Aside from that. Um, there's just not enough sexy Jason Bear. You know? Like, looking like a sexy dad. Not enough of that. He only got two this scenes. This
0: is gonna be a recurring theme for you until
1: he <laughs> finally gets to do something. Yeah, exactly! Exactly! Um, also, Silas, I guess he's just dead now? That was a bummer. I was like, that are was we gonna... so sad. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't like that. He didn't want to um, be involved to begin with. <laughs> exactly! Right? Okay. And of course, I agree that, you know, Luther... Lex Lex burning down the hospital wing was just too much. Too much! Um, I hope those kids are
0: okay. Alright. Feedback? Um, from Shang and I believe Sonia and probably Swara. So starting with Shang, he says, hey there, lovely lady. Sorry for no feedback last week. A shelf Oh my god, Shang. I <laughs> know. I feel like it is serious and I'm, I'm, I really do hope you are alright. Yes, um, please be okay, Shang. Yes. He says for feedback, I'm tired of Lex. Brainy and Lena should just kill him. They may not have Kara's fighting skills, but they also don't have Kara's strong code against killing. And I think they should just send Lex six feet under for good. Also, my Kara, Brainy, Lena, threesome, I will shut up now. (laughs) Um, Why is the show called Supergirl (laughs) yet? Once again, I don't give a fuck about Kara's arc. I understand they needed her in the Phantom Zone because of Melissa's pregnancy, but the story arc is so boring I do hope Nyx or whatever that MILF name is actually brings instant spunk. Um, Lex killed a bunch of children, just to blame it on Lena. I would need the writers to just stop. It's not edgy or whatever the fuck the writers think this is. It's not fun for me to watch Lena, a character whose entire arc is to move away from Lex's abuse, having to struggle to fight him over and over. Just let her win without inflicting more trauma, please. Though, I do like that she walked away from Lex and that we see her moving away from his manipulative ass. I do hate you, but I love me more. He's um, like, that's my wife. Uh, I feel like Alex's stage of grief should be uh, still at denial. So she's she is so fiercely loyal to Kara and the fact that she so quickly went into the depression stage is weird. Um, it's like she's mourning Cara's death and we all know Alex would be the last to admit Cara's dead in any fucking situation. Or maybe even anger. Let her go to prison and punch Alex in the fucking face. Come on. I don't know if they're trying to do a mental health storyline but it's just in bad taste. I'd rather them do something else. Um, so how much money does Lena have? Does she still have her extra investments? Is she still the sugar mummy of the super friends? Is Nia the only one left that has her job? Who is funding anything? How is John keeping the watchtower running? The electrical bills must be totally crazy. Elmayara Shang, and then Suarez says nothing because he didn't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have Supergirl feedback, so um, Sonia is the last one for Supergirl feedback, and she says. Do 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 do. First of all, I wanted to mention that we, when we saw Alex press that button and have her costume suit automatically go on her, I noticed the eyeshadow also automatically got put on, and thank God that answers the nagging question I had about her eye makeup. I didn't notice that too, and how much time it would take to do it. Uh, it's the little things. Uh, also, it was mentioned that Catco staff were on some retreat or wherever, so Andrea is like cursed or whatever. Like the first, she jumped the gun with the guilty headline for Lex, and now. There are no reporters to cover this attack by fan Aliens. Like, girl, just cannot win. Brainy's storyline was so great, and I liked and I loved having him hack to help Lena take down Lex, but what was really amazing was seeing Brainy's breakdown about Lex, and Jesse Raff did an incredible job, and we also didn't really get to see a lot of that in the previous episode, so it was nice to see focus on him, and it was also really nice to see Lena comforting him. Um, speaking of characters finally getting their focus, it was great that we got Kelly not only being there for Alex, but at the same time uh, but the same at the end of the episode and her finally getting to talk about losing Obsidian and also discussing how important it was for her to, to offer counseling to Silas. I think she'll probably start her own therapy company. That's a good prediction for aliens, similar to how Cecile in The Flash became a DA, uh, went from being a DA to being a lawyer for metahumans. Um, let's see. Kara's Phantom Zone scenes are great. Loving the, this princess character who is at the dimensional end like Mixie, and how they teamed up to save Cara's dad and will now work together to get out of Phantom Zone. Um, Love McGon and John Dynamics. This episode and how McGon wanted Bally to help people that she put her way, like it reminded me of her in season two, actively fought against her own kind, the White Martians to help save the Green Martians, like she's such a hero, I love her. And there we go.
1: We love that. Any predictions?
2: No, but I like the Kelly opening her own therapy.
1: Yeah, same.
0: Nothing good. Yeah. Idea.
1: I that
2: I it seems like it. a good
0: one. And, and then- there's a lot of like space in um the Catco Obsidian offices since Obsidian is no more. So she could rent True. an office there. There you go. <laughs> so who's our Lady with Gumption of the Week? Ooh. Uh, interesting. I, think I feel this- like I want to
2: say supergirl i'm gonna Mm -hmm. say lena okay yeah that's yeah yeah i was gonna say
0: lena um i forgot there were other options um for flash (laughs) i i still have to give it to frost for taking accountability frost for flash yeah i don't really know that painkiller had no woman exactly (laughs) there was not for painkiller i mean there's a nsn i I guess grace for saving herself yeah grace for saving yourself but I mean that's
1: not that's like you know, Yeah, it's you like an honorary mention like, like not. You transforming get it. and getting herself a mask in pandemic There you times go. Too. There you go. A mask, <laughs> there you go. Perfect. And then finally oh. Batwoman. Ooh. Um that's kind of a tough one. Batwoman. I mean Ryan did do a lot in the episode. Uh. Julia also went after an yeah. So after you could one. also say just an enigma. Yeah, mm-hmm. enigma so. does have a lot of gumption, that's for sure. But I think that based on the uh, excitement of our
0: responses, uh, Lena is clearly the winner. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think Lena had the most like emotional um, yeah. story, and yeah. you know it was really brave of her and uh, to do that and just like to walk away from everything from Lex. So yeah, let's go with Lena.
1: Well, uh, Lena wins. Thank you all for listening. The ladies of Gump of the Week. You can find us at DCTVGumption Gumption on Twitter, ladieswgumption at gmail.com. week, my podcast. We'll be back next week with more episodes. And no flash. And no flash. That's right, because it'll be on a break.
3: So thank you all and good night. Goodbye. Bye.